Good evening, wrestling fans, and welcome. Wrestle Talk Podcast. For the next two hours, we will bring you the latest pro what up, wrestling what up, news. What up? Wrestle Talk family, it's your boy the Night Out, and we are back live, checking in from the good old Midwest, the heartland of the good U.S. of A. Want to be the first to welcome everybody into episode three hundred and seventy-one of the WTP. That's right. It's just you guys and me. And I'm going to have a very special tag partner today. We actually haven't done a show together in quite some time. Ladies and gentlemen, please make noise for the one and only, the proprietor of the I-70 Sports Media Empire. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, the Maestro! What, what up, Chico? Up? How you, <laughs> you doing? hear that round of applause? You hear that? Crowd's going crazy! The ground goes thank you, thank wild! You. Bro, thank you get getting a bigger pop than Eddie Kingston right now, my guy. Ooh, I mean, these days, that's not so hard to do. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I know we got a lot to get into... And obviously, this is going to be an awesome episode with a couple of spectacular guests. Why don't you go ahead and tell the folks who's going to be joining us today, Maestro? Oh, my goodness. Well, let me tell you, our first guest today is going to be the one and only. I mean, he considers himself the last great professional wrestling manager. And you know what? The word controversy Fits this guy so well, it might as well be his middle name. We are going to have Travis Cook on this evening. And And our second guest is just as good, dude. ISP, baby. The WDWA heavyweight champion is going to be in the house. And for those who tuned in last week, there was a bit of a challenge issued by Lax Week's guest. And guess what? I believe that we may have played a part in booking this match. Let's bring on a guy who can talk to us a little bit more about this. John, tell us a little bit more about tonight's second hour featured guest. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you, ISP is a force to be reckoned with. 
and uh, he currently holds the WDWA World Heavyweight Championship, which uh, last week's guest is chomping at the bit to get at. And so he issued a challenge, and originally the it was said that it may be at the show on, I believe it was the 11th of December, but I've now been told that that's going to be pushed back to probably the next show. But it's still supposed to happen, so we're looking wow, forward to him show. coming on, and uh, it's, it's going to be a heck of an interview. It's going to be good. Now, just for the sake of our listeners, tell us how to pronounce ISP's full name just so we get it right, right off the bat. Israel Sharif Fakur. Israel Sharif Fakur. And if I have my facts right, he's actually from Iran. Is that right? Correct. Mm, you see? See, Maestro, see what happens when we do our homework? Isn't it great? We do our homework well. And let me tell you something. I love when we make an impact in the wrestling community. I tell you, it's wonderful. No doubt about it. Well, John's going to be in and out with us here tonight, guys. Um, I hear a little bit of a buzz going on with his audio, so he's going to get that taken care of. But he's going to be popping in and out. Before we go any further, we do have some business we need to handle. We're going to get into the National Anthem. We'll bring Big Hoss back for that. But, Maestro, you know the show would not be possible without the amazing support of all of our wonderful sponsors, including i70 sports media so bear with me as i go through some of our other wonderful sponsors everything combat kincaid arcade esports bar kc royal mills transportation painter's dream production which they manage our website if you guys need website help holler at us we can hook you up rathbum engraving the makers hand engraved wrestle talk podcast mugs and of course the world's premier fantasy wrestling promotion the fantasy wrestling worldwide chapter and believe it or not my sure i know you weren't here last week bro the fwwc segment is making its way back to the wrestle talk podcast so as if the show wasn't already hectic enough those crazy zany lunatics from the fwwc are going to be coming back for about 10 minutes every single show right after break bro Strap your helmet on because it's going to be wild when the FWWC reinvades the Wrestle Talk podcast. It's going to be nuts. Have you ever heard those segments? They're crazy. I have heard some of them, and honestly, man, let me tell you, they are a lot to handle. So, folks, they're not for the softed heart. <laughs> well, I'll say this, and, and they say it best. They say, We're not your daddy's E fed. They are a whole other deal, and there's a reason that FWWC refers to itself as the world's premier fantasy wrestling promotion. All that said, many thanks to our wonderful sponsors, and before we can move on, let's go ahead and bring on, uh, re-bring on our boy Hardcore Haas as we all bust out our flags and begin a new tradition here on the Wrestle Talk podcast. That's right, folks, because we have a brand new national anthem. And if you weren't here last week, you're in for a surprise, Maestro, because it's actually not Carl Lewis anymore. Haas, you know what to do, baby. Hit it. Where are you? 
Oh. <laughs> oh, dear goodness. Maestro, what? are you okay over there, bro? The <laughs> hell. America, no, baby. Like had a brain hemorrhage. What the hell? Bro, we had to retire. That's how Ronald America. Fuck it. I'm going to Sweden. He's going to Sweden? Maestro's oh. moving to Canada? Oh, man. Well, I know you might not know this, bro, but the Carl Lewis National Anthem kept getting flagged on YouTube. So somebody copyrighted it, it I guess. So we had to switch it, and now we've got the lovely, uber-talented Suzanne Barr. And, uh, yes, we're going to make all of you suffer along with us every single week for the foreseeable future. You are welcome, Wrestle Talk family. What do you think about that, Maestro? Um, first off, <laughs> oh, my God. Second off, <laughs> it amazes me that Carl Lewis's version got flagged when he couldn't even get through the damn thing. Like, when you are literally flagging... that That's YouTube in a nutshell. When you're flagging basically a fourth of an anthem. I mean, yeah. are you shitting me right now? Like, yes, because... They got, a, they got rid of their dislike button, and they're removing half of an anthem for copyright. I'm done. <laughs> it is what it is. Welcome to the new tradition, ladies and gentlemen. Well, guess what? The show must go on because tonight's edition of High Spots is going to be particularly special. I'll go ahead and cue up the music. I got you on this one, Hardcore Hoss, as we go ahead and kick off tonight's edition of the Wrestle Talk Podcast High Spots segment for episode 371. Mic check, mic check. Yeah! All right, all right. WrestleTalk Podcast. DJ Money. Yeah. Let's go. Welcome to High Spots, where we pop news like Claire Chops. We talk shop, coming through the screen with a laptop. It's non-stop, like I want to sleep with a black top. We hit hard like chest shots and back drops. I'm uh. a flash, so I can barely fly that ass on. We up the scene while they stay slow. WrestleTalk Podcast, now they know. We about to start the show. Uh. Shout out to my man, DJ Money. Guys, Hoss will be back a little bit later on in the show. He's going to be back running boards, checking the messages. So if you want to join us on the show, it's real easy, right, Maestro? All you got to do is drop a comment either on our Twitter feed, on YouTube, on Facebook. You can personally DM one of us, and we will send you a link and bring you on the show. Isn't that easy? It's as easy as one, two, three. Easy, cheesy, no, easy peasy, mac and cheesy. Speaking of mac and cheesy, there was something served up this weekend that was warm and delicious, and that is AEW Full Gear. But I would be remiss, Maestro, if we didn't go back in time a couple of days to your visit to AEW Rampage, we had not had a chance to pick your brain 
about your experience at an AEW show. We know you've been to countless WWE shows. You've been to NWA. You've been to independent wrestling. For God's sakes, you're out almost every weekend at a different show, which we love that about you. Doing your job and also as a fan. But, bro, I believe this was your first AEW show. Am I correct? You are. Bro, tell us about it, please. Please, how does that experience compare to some of the other shows that you've been to? Without throwing any shots, we don't have to talk bad about somebody to say something nice about somebody else, but maybe you can tell us how they differ. It was all right. I'm just kidding. It was awesome. You got me, bro. AEW Rampage was definitely out of this world experience. First off, it was more than just the hour-long rampage that you see on TV. I mean, you got your stuff about two to three hours worth of AEW Dark that aired. So you got all these dark matches. And what was amazing about it, there were guys that I know personally, such as Camaro Jackson, who got to wrestle on AEW Dark. You know, and you have Miranda Gordy, the daughter of the late great uh, uh, Terry Gordy, who was wrestling on there against Ty Conti. But AEW Rampage literally kicked off with Brian Danielson. And the crowd's just going wild. And then, I mean, you had your Eddie Kingston CM Punk promo. The whole crowd's chanting CM Punk. But to me, to me, the definitive moment for AEW Rampage, the entire thing, and this is, like I said, about four hours worth of wrestling, it was actually a moment where there wasn't wrestling involved. It was when Tony Khan himself came out to the arena or came out, you know, to the entrance ramp. He apologized to everyone there at the Shafitz Arena because, well, unfortunately, you know, it was a long delay because of the pandemic and everything going on of getting an AEW show in St. Louis. And Tony Khan, who literally is just one of the most genuine guys you could find in the wrestling industry. He's a fan who cares about all the wrestlers around him, who just wants to have a good time and, you know, make the fans go home happy. He goes out there. He apologizes to St. Louis. He hopes everybody has a great time. He promises great things are ahead. And he made it a mission to where St. Louis will be getting an AEW pay-per-view in the future. He's going to, make it up to us here in the gateway city and the crowd at Chaffetz went wild it was a huge turnout there for the event i mean the long w- was like a mile long we my friends and i went through hell trying to find parking just for this event but you know it had a mixture of you know some entertainment style promos of course but there was just so much wrestling involved you know, and you may say, yeah, but it's a wrestling show. Yeah, but there's just this different thing to it with AEW. There's that old school style of wrestling, more emphasis on the wrestling than it is the entertainment part. So, yeah. Overall, I'm not going to lie, not Al. This was an amazing night that the maestro don't intend on forgetting anytime soon. Well, and you know what, bro? You could have easily gone as a media representative for a representative for I-70 Sports. You could have gone as a media representative for the Wrestle Talk podcast. You know, we got that kind of pull with them, with MLW. I'm proud to say, you know, we were on the media call. 
uh, before full gear, which was a privilege, always an honor. But instead, and I've made this argument, I've never wrestled and everybody knows that, but I've been uh, a commentator, I've been a ring announcer, and I've done several other jobs in the professional wrestling world. But still, to this day, nothing beats the fan experience. And from what you're telling me, you're saying that it's one of the best fan experiences you've ever had. Is that correct? Without a doubt. This to me, this AEW Rampage is right up there with the NWA 73rd anniversary show is probably two of the greatest experiences I've had as a wrestling fan. And Renee, I'm going to tell you this, you know, you've been in the wrestling industry for a while. Uh, You've done a lot of jobs, you know, within the industry. I've done a lot in my time in the wrestling industry. I think we can both say from the bottom of our hearts, putting the together is the biggest bitch there is. (laughs) No, you know what's worse than putting it together? Tearing it up at the end of the night when all you want to do is get paid and go home. I I don't know. I think a lot of it's just because it's at the end of the night. But at the last Dynamo show... You know, we were in kind of a hassle to get the show ready to go um, at South Broadway, and we were putting that thing together in double time. And let me tell you, oh my God, it sucked. <laughs> but you look do at it. Maestro paying his dues. I'm you freaking do, digging exactly. it. Man. <laughs> That's why I don't back down from it. You pay your dues to get in this. I mean, you know, I love the industry. You know, bro, it's you, great. It's a lot of labor, it but you know what? It's worth it. Dude, it is worth it. And you know what's so great, Brian? And I know we're in the high spots right now, but we're going to talk to a couple of guys who have paid their dues in the business from from a managerial standpoint and also from an in-ring standpoint. Now, neither of these guys, neither ISP or Travis Cook, America's Evil Genius, the last great general manager, um, are shy, Uh, nor are they particularly fan favorites but you know what bro that's kind of what makes them special right like because who doesn't want to receive the adulation in the craft they're in i don't care if you're a garbage man or an executive we all want to be recognized for being the best that we do but these guys have taken another course of action and they don't particularly care if the fans like them as a matter of fact i think they both rebel and being despised by the crowd and always getting a reaction, even if it's not a favorable one, Maestro. And you being a sports fan, no, some guys just love being hated. And there are fans who ha- love having that love-hate relationship with certain teams and certain players, really. Yeah, and I'm, not, I'm just going to be honest with you. I'll t- Travis Cook ever started to be, become liked by people, I think he might just blow up. I think it might he might spontaneously combust. I think Travis Cook's whole existence is predicated on the fact that he is despised by so many people. And more power to him in that case. I mean, look, I'm glad he's great at him, it, just bro. Like <laughs> he's great at it. I, don't he's... Even, I mean, it, shit, if he, was, if he was any more heated, he'd be a stove. Let me just tell you. Hey, um, <laughs> no, and, and you're exactly right. Athletes, there's just those athletes um, that even if they don't purposely have that image of being the bad guy, it just happens, and they decide to roll with it. I think, honestly, a perfect example right now is Aaron Rodgers. 
I mean, with everything going on with Aaron Rodgers of the Green Bay Packers, he has this image of being the diva, the dislikable guy. But he didn't do it on purpose. It just came naturally. And he's not saying <laughs> I'm, he's not saying I'm this upstanding citizen. He's saying, shit, fine. You don't like me, don't like me. But I'm going to keep balling, dropping 40 on your team. So deal with it. <laughs> Dude, and some guys got the gusto, got the huevos to be able to do that. And they have no fear, bro, which is always something that I'm extremely impressed by. Now, speaking of fearless, we've got about 10 minutes left. Again, guys, if you want to join us, shoot us a message. We'll shoot you the link. You could join us here on the show. And, of course, if you guys have um, uh, any questions uh, for Travis Cook or uh, Israel Sharif Akur, please go ahead. Uh, that send them, send them in the comment section. We'll make sure Hardcore Hoss makes a note that way. When these guys come on, if you're not able to join us, we can still get your question in. I think that sounds like a pretty fair deal. So, it's, again, speaking of of taking risk and not being afraid, bro, we got to talk about full gear, and there are a couple of things that really stood out to me. So I'm just gonna kind of pull uh from my notes. The first thing that I want to say, and you can disagree with me, I think you might. Can the conversation about MJF and the Miz being comparable to each other? Can we can we end that, please? And, and the reason that I am making this request, Maestro, is because we saw MJF provide us a physical in-ring performance like I don't think we've ever seen from the Miz, even in his earlier days. I went back and went through the match, not necessarily clip by clip, but I paid very close and detailed attention to this matchup. And Maestro, MJF was basically keeping up with Darby Allen and was about as close to being flawless as you can be wrestling a guy like Darby Allen, who is um, a little unorthodox. I am extremely impressed. So enough of this crap about, well, you know, only if he could match what he does on the microphone in the ring, then maybe MJF would be in my top five right now. After what we saw at Full Gear, and I'm talking, you know, mainstream promotions, I've got my own top five, and a lot of those guys aren't even in major promotions. But my point is, enough with the Miz MJF comparisons MJF has now, in my book, officially proven himself as a guy that is worthy, not just on the microphone as being elite, pun intended, but in the ring as well. And you don't want to argue with me because you're probably going to lose. But my point is, go and look up the evidence for yourself, even if it's just the highlights on YouTube. Maxwell Jacob Friedman has put all the naysayers and doubters to rest. Maestro? And I want you to tell me why I'm wrong. Because you're you. No. Okay. <laughs> this is my honest opinion about this. I think you're actually going to be disappointed. Okay. I agree. I agree because this is this is what I'm going to say about MJF. First off, MJF is the absolute best heel AEW's ever had. There is no way of saying about it. He's a better heel than anybody in like in the elite. He's better than a better heel than Eddie Kingston when he was, you know, he he's better. He's at the top. The Miz to me in professional wrestling. I'm watching pro wrestling over 15 years. It's my thing about the Miz. I cannot think of another superstar 
who should not have been as successful as he's become as The Miz. And it's not because of anything negative about The Miz. It's just, remember back uh, Night Owl when he was just the host of SmackDown? He was in the stands with the crowd and everything. I mean, who knew that guy would eventually main event WrestleMania against John Cena? I would have never told you in a million. You definitely did not see that one coming. I'll tell you that right now. No. I mean, not in a million years. But there's just something more on top of MJF's character to him. Because The Miz shows his, breaks the kayfabe. He breaks kayfabe. And, you know, it's 2021. Kayfabe's definitely not what it used to be in, like, 1997 or 1986. But MJF, wherever he goes, whatever he does, whoever he talks to, is just a complete dick. (laughs) He cusses out little kids. I love it. He cusses out little kids. He talks. I'm going to tell you, some of the cruelest things I have heard was the shit he was talking on to Brian Pillman's family. That might have been some of the most savagery in a wrestling promo I have heard. And Oh, oh, I got something for you that I think is going to take that level of savage to the nth degree. And guess what? I got receipts. (laughs) Would you like to see? I know what it is, but I think the audience would definitely love to see it. I think the audience is actually going to enjoy seeing this as well. So allow me to share my screen and uh, allow the rest of you to revel in in this exploit between MJF and the lovely, wonderful, beautiful – but maybe a little bit too quick to the trigger, Brandy Rhodes. Now, if you guys can't see that, uh, I'm going to try to zoom in for you. And if I can't and you still can't see it, don't worry about it. I got you because I can see it. So I'll read it for you. So let's start with the bottom portion of this image. (laughs) It says, uh, this is a quote from Brandy via Fightful. It says, I'm back in the ring and training hard, probably a lot harder than people think. The one thing that is funny is a lot of people have been critical of me in the past as far as my in-ring work because I don't, they don't know a lot about me and they just speculate. Fair enough. Brandy looking to get back into the ring. She just had a baby. Yes, there's been questions about her in-ring ability. Why? Because where do we know her from? I sure we know her from WWE doing ring announcing. Exactly. Right. So nobody's ever equated Brandy to being some phenomenal in-ring talent. Allow me to provide for you the MJF response via social media. And I quote, you forgot to factor in that you have no personality. You try to position yourself as the top female wrestler when AEW first started. When you couldn't wrestle a lick and, and, and when you couldn't wrestle a lick and botch your way through matches. Then you were the first ever female in AEW to get your own act, action figure made of her. For doing what exactly? Being a part of 20 factions that nobody cared about? Having to be the center of tension like your moron of a husband? It's time you wished your... Okay, it's time you were wished your best in your future endeavors. And you can take John Cena... I mean, 
Cody with you. Go play mommy and daddy. I'm sure there's a reality show you can sell your rights to. And... My goodness, MJF. Bro, this is the kind of heat that fans love to see. And MJF, in essence, cutting a shoot promo on his shoot boss. Is this what you're talking about when you're talking about a guy that's keeping kayfabe alive? Because I think that this is exactly what you were alluding to, Maestro. I mean, let's put it this way. When has The Miz ever called Stephanie a dirty slut? Exactly. He has it. <laughs> Never. That's why he exactly. still has a job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. MJF, when not be afraid to say that to Brandy. Um, in the sense of not breaking kayfabe. This and this is the thing. Some people may not think whether you keep kayfabe or not is that important in 2021. I think it's amazing that you can still do it in the age of social media. And with all these wrestling news websites that leaked the news five days in advance and Dave Meltzer being jacked off by half the industry. So, yeah, I'm telling you, what MJF does is absolutely phenomenal. Okay. He is to me Let, let me cut you off. Let, let me cut you off and say this. Were you in charge of providing the green M&Ms for Travis Cook in the uh, green room, Maestro? Because he's quite upset right now. He said Avion only and green M&Ms only. And apparently somebody didn't take out all the other colors for him. I thought that was your job. Look, I didn't know that uh, Travis Cook had issues with uh, different colors. But what are you yeah. talking about? It was your job to provide the man the, the snacks that he requested. Travis okay. Cook is an American hero and you couldn't even get the M&Ms right? Come on, maestro. Man. I freaking dressed up as a green M&M for Halloween. So guess what? I got it taken care of. So Travis Cook, go suck one. Well, hey, hey, hey. You know, we're paying him to be here. You don't want him to walk off, do you? No, but I'm waiting for him to get on so I can tell him something. Oh, you better not, bro. You don't want to You don't want to upset the last great general manager and professional. I mean, I'm sorry. The last great real manager in professional wrestling. We'll get that straight before the end of the show. Guess what? Before we get to Travis Cook, you're going to love this, bro. We got a little bit of breaking news dropping in Hardcore Hustle. We're going to bring you in for this. Why don't you go ahead and drop it on us? Oh, where'd he go? Oh, no. I think I think we lost Hardcore Hustle, but it's all good because he's not the one giving us the news update. Ladies and gentlemen, our correspondent, our social media correspondent, joining us for the first time ever on tonight's show, with a little bit of breaking news, ladies and gentlemen, welcome in the one, the only, Hardcore Sis. Hit that breaking news, Hoss. Do it. Here comes the breaking news. Three, two, one. I guess you didn't see my message in the back. I did not. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I saw well, we don't have a... for Renee to... What do you say? Well, yeah, about... thanks for cluing me in, guys. I really appreciate it. Oh, drops are down. Gotcha. Don't worry about it. Well, you know what? Either way, Susie Q's in the building, and you've got some breaking news for us, right? We'll have the drop ready next week. Yes. Yes. You know. Um... There it is. <laughs> yeah, loud and clear. Okay. What's up? Give it to us. Well, you know, 
since Joey has left, no one has been able to do the KFAB news. So I happen to be scouring this and I found this that I thought everyone would be interested in. You know, Brock Lesnar, uh, the so-called beast incarnate, who's dominated professional wrestling and the MMA for nearly two decades, has announced his bid to run for Congress in Minnesota. Now, Lesser announced his intentions Thursday to replace Republican Billy Long for the open 7th District congressional seat. Lesnar vowed to break the streak of long time in office. So he said, let's do this in his trademark, you know, streak. And he announced his candidacy for Congress. Lesnar's running predominantly suplex-based platform. It includes suplexing the state deficit to 20% suplexing the ultra-rich to help pay for social services, suplexing COVID-19 infection rates by suplexing the anti-vaxxers, suplexing members of the liberal suplex control lobby by eliminating background checks on people wishing to learn the suplex, and the full UFO disclosure because Lesnar is eager to return to his home planet where he's suplexing is a form of lovemaking. <laughs> All right, Susie. Well, thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Wrestle Talk Podcast K Fabe News. We'll catch you next week. Peace. Uh, your thoughts, Maestro? Only reliable um, news sources here on the Wrestle Talk Podcast, by the way. Only <laughs> trusted and reliable news sources. Courtesy of our friends over at K Fabe News. This is why we need the sponsors because we wouldn't be able to afford the amazing sources that we have. I'm telling you, <laughs> this, no this ain't your great value bargain bin shit, folks. This is the real deal. I mean, we're talking about Brock Lesnar super or suplexing anti-vaxxers, which I'd be the one to love to see that happen. Oh boy, but, uh, hey. I really hope we get into this with Travis Cook. Maybe we'll, maybe we won't. Well, anyway. Guess what? We're five minutes after the 30-minute mark, and the time has arrived, ladies and gentlemen. You know why? Because not only is he the last great manager in professional wrestling, he also happens to be America's evil genius. Now, he may or may not have some heat with some of the members of the WrestleTalk uh, team, but that doesn't matter, bro. We don't ever let shit like that stand in the way because we want to talk to the very best in the business, regardless of race, color, religion, or even political affiliation. Maestro talking about suplexing anti-vaxxers. Get out of here. <laughs> Point being, ladies and gentlemen, I'm a man who could very soon be walking down the aisle with the next NWA World Heavyweight Champion. That's right, amigos. The one, the only, Travis Cook. Good evening, good evening, good evening. Can y'all hear me on this contraption? Loud, Loud and clear, clear amigo. Okay, Loud good, good, good. Yes, we are here, and as you pointed out, I am just a couple of weeks away from managing the National Wrestling Alliance Heavyweight Champion of the World at Telecon. It's going to be wonderful. Now, I know we could immediately get into that, but, you know, you've been in this business long enough, Travis. I know you have as well, Maestro. We got to build to the epicenter of this conversation. So 
allow me, if you will, my show to kind of kick this thing off. Is that okay? Go for it. It is cool. all yours, my friend. All right, we'll bring you back on in just a moment because I want to have a little one-on-one time here with uh, Mr. Travis Cook. So, Travis, I know we got a lot of wrestling to talk about. And if you've ever watched a show, I think you already know that me in particular, I'm not afraid to cover any topic in the world revolving around the world of professional wrestling. So let's go back in time a couple of months to when the show's started happening again i know you just like myself and everybody else in the pro wrestling world we were kind of put on pause for about a year which by some people's estimation was necessary some other people thought it was excessive but let's go back to that moment where you got the call that it was time to get back to work how anxious and ready were you to get back to doing what you do best well i was certainly ready but what helped it out a little bit was the fact that even during the time that we had things closing up and not running here in Missouri and Illinois, I had been making appearances down in Tennessee with Attilacon. And really, he had put together a great record down there to the point of even uh, having a match with uh, Luke from the Bushwhackers, or the Sheep Herders as I knew him, uh, down there at the ballpark in Jackson, Tennessee, in front of thousands of people, and Attilacon beat him down there. So when this thing got kicked off once again up here in Illinois, Attila Khan already had a tremendous one-loss record against credible opposition before anybody else had stepped in the ring up here. So that put us ahead of everybody else in terms of the Classic Wrestling Championship and SICW and contention for the NWA World Title, which I had to kind of put my voice out there and get that you know, get that ball rolling. Well done. Uh, but we got the title match signed, something that, frankly, no other manager could do other than me. Fair and uh, so, yeah, we we actually took that time uh, to really put him in a great position rather than just sitting around the way a lot of other people did. Well, you know what? You have obviously got the job, the job done. That's why you are the last great professional uh, wrestling manager, Travis Cook. But on, on that note, there are some other fairly decent managers in the business today. And I think when there we are? talked... Here, here and there, oh, I you know, know a couple here and there. And I said good, not great, because there's only one great one, the one yeah, and only Travis Cook. Some Heyman guy running around somewhere. He's okay, I hear. I'm glad that you mentioned him, because I have a very specific question for you, because you have this unique perspective that none of us here in the WrestleTalk family could kind of tap into, and that is the ability that he has and he shared with his tribal chief and got him kind of around that bend. You and I both know, and, and I don't know how much you follow kind of the big leagues, but um, Roman struggled for years trying to get over. And they paired him with Heyman. They did the tribal chief gimmick. From what I understand, it had a lot to do with Heyman. And it finally came to fruition, and this run with Roman has been absolutely unprecedented. So I guess here's my question in a nutshell. What do you think a manager adds that wrinkle, that layer to take a guy like Attila Khan, to take a guy like Roman Reigns and take them from from good slash great to memorable slash legendary. Because that's what you're doing with Attila Khan. That's what Heyman is doing with Roman Reigns. What is it that a manager adds to the portfolio that allows that to happen from your perspective? Well, really what we add, or what those of us who are really good at it add, and you could probably count the number of us on one hand who, who fit that definition, but what you add really transcends a lot of different areas. 
in the here and now in the short term, it can be being at ringside and seeing things that are going on and saying, hey, look out for this, look out for that. That's the, the number one thing. But also in terms of if you've got a manager who has a lot of experience in the business, Paul Heyman, for example, has over 35 years in the industry. I have nearly 25, 26 in the industry. Uh, when you have someone like that, they can kind of read the tea leaves of the business before everybody else does. Yes. And uh, kind of put a talent in position to be ready for something before it happens, before it hits, and to position themselves to be ready to take advantage of situations that come up. I think that's what I, if I'm humble enough to brag on myself, that's something I'm extremely good at. I can get a talent out in front uh, of a situation before other talents in a promotion realize it, and all of a sudden now they have to come to us. So it, it transcends a lot of areas. It's the in-ring strategy, certainly, but it's also the positioning and even the, dare I say it, political work of getting yourself in a, in a proper position to get the contracts you want, the opportunities you want, and the big stages that you want. Well, you're absolutely right, and you were able to do that in securing an NWA World Heavyweight Championship title bout for your client, Attila Khan, which we'll be talking about that a little bit more in just a couple of minutes. Um, I want to get, and this is partially the reason that I took the maestro off, because uh, we're definitely on different sides of the spectrum when it comes to certain topics, um, not necessarily related to wrestling, but I kind of want to tie that into our conversation here. And, and here it is. Travis, I know there have been rumors that certain superstars in particular companies have been letting go left and right. And, and the rumors have been that some of it has to do with vaccination status. Um, you being a very worldly man, particularly when it comes to politics, I'm curious, how are you perceiving this, um, what some people are calling like a cancel culture uh, type approach to people who are making the decision uh, to be individuals when it comes to either masking or vaccines? How do you swallow that pill and and maybe what's your perspective on it? Because, again, the rumors continue to fly. Nia Jax was rumored to have not got let go because of the vaccine, and there have been others. A guy who dabbles in both the political and the pro wrestling world, how do you how do you take something like that in, and how do you process it? Well, really, your question is multifaceted. There's really two different ways to answer that. First and foremost, I don't necessarily link the large amount of I don't want to say firings, but people being separations, separations, future <laughs> endeavorings from WWE and other places. I don't necessarily link that to the vaccinations necessarily. Okay. I have noticed for years and I've said for years that WWE in particular has for probably the last 10 or 15 years run a very large roster of athletes, a very large roster of wrestlers, far more than any other company I'm aware of. Probably in history. in history. In yeah. history, absolutely. Yeah. And so I always knew there was going to come a time where you had to pay the fiddler when, for whatever reason, the money you're paying out to talent, all those contracts from the guy who's in the opening match in NXT to the guy that's on top at WrestleMania, when that's going to come due and you're going to have to, you're, you're going to have to uh, tighten your belt a little bit, just like a National Football League team that has a salary cap, Right. You can spend on a lot of money and a lot of free agents, but at some point those contracts are going to get big enough, you got to start cutting people. In the NFL, you see it all the time where good players, starters, all pros will be cut for salary cap reasons. Melvin Ingram, 
went exactly. from the Steelers to the Chiefs for that same reason. It ha- exactly. It happens every year. Now, the WWE does not have an official salary cap, but like any other business, they have a bottom line. They're a publicly traded company. They can't just lose money for long periods of time. They've got to tighten that up. So it makes sense to me that now would be the point that you would cut your roster as a whole and focus on the number of people that you really want to focus on. In my world, it would be 8 to 12. I'm sure WWE wants it to be more than that, maybe right. 20 or whatever it is. But it makes sense that you would cut your, you know, cut your talent, get 18 to 20 folks that you really want to invest in, and then hire other people on like a shorter-term basis, three months, six months, even nightly if you have to. So that, I think, was the biggest driving factor of it all. Now, is the vaccination stuff being used as an excuse in some of these? Maybe. I mean, that's that does happen in all sorts of businesses. Do I think um, in any industry, not just wrestling, do I think people should be fired or let go because of their – choice of whether to become vaccinated or not. No, I do not believe they should. Um, but the bigger part to me is that on, on one level, even though I don't necessarily like that, if it's a private business doing it and making the decision on their own, at the end of the day, I'm, you know, I don't really have a big problem with it. But when I feel like there's government coercion pushing businesses in that direction, that's where I have a problem with it. When the businesses are basically doing the bidding of the government trying to force the population to engage in any particular action, whether it's a vaccine or anything else, I find that very problematic. And I, I also believe that if the precedent is set for being able to do that on a large scale, then it's not going to stop there. It might be, uh, you know, it, it might be vaccinations today, and then tomorrow it might be something having to do with climate change, or it might be, you know, you got to fire all your people that own guns or, or whatever else. Right. Once you once you and get it started. Fine. Yeah. yeah, once you set a precedent for the government, they, they don't stop. I mean, history shows this. So that's where I have a concern. But in terms of, of the WWE letting folks go, I really don't think the vaccine, from what I've seen, is as huge a part of that as, as some people are, are saying it is. Fair enough. And I hope I don't butcher this quote. I'm sure Travis has it tattooed somewhere on his body. But uh, one of our founding fathers, I believe, once said, Uh, If you're willing to give up liberty for temporary security, you will neither have liberty or security. My thoughts, nobody else's. And uh, I do believe that Travis Cook would echo my sentiments and the sentiments of one of our founding fathers, Benjamin Franklin. Now, to move on from that to one other thing, then we'll bring the maestro back in. There is uh, uh, always something interesting when it comes to the interaction between talent and fans. And you, sir, have some, uh, I wouldn't necessarily call them fans, uh, uh, but you have some of the most rabid followers in professional wrestling today. And there's one fan in particular that has been hounding and harassing us. We're not going to bring him on. We're not going to surprise you. Nothing like that. We got too much respect. But Travis, there's a gentleman by the name of Aaron that every single (laughs) week... (laughs) Look at John's face. Look at look at our soundboard director. I just had to show that. Okay, so what's the heat between Travis Cook, the Travis Cook organization, and fans like Aaron Wallace, bro? Why does this guy hate you so much? Tell us he challenged you to a debate. I think he wants to mud wrestle. I don't know what the hell this guy's on. But Travis, can you address him? 
and your many followers, not fans, followers, as to how they they interact with you and and why they maybe have such a disdain for you. Do you care to address them directly? Well, you're asking the wrong guy. I don't know what his problem with me is, to, to be honest about it. But you're right. I I see. I post something on social media, and then like he, he's right there to you know spout off about something. Half the time I don't even read it. You know, but he, he he's always in my business about whatever. And the interesting thing is that it can be I can post something that has nothing to do with wrestling. I can post something about the sky is blue, and that guy will show up and there he is. Tell me, yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> the Whoop, there it is, and that guy will pop up and and tell me how I'm you know this horrible evil person that's massively successful. So. I can't be that horrible and evil, and and he goes off on me. So that 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 is what it is. I don't know why he does that or or what the motivation for him or some other fans is. The only thing I can really speculate is that some people in this life, whether we're talking professional wrestling or politics or business or Hollywood or anything, uh, there are some people in this world who, for whatever reason, just absolutely detest seeing anybody be successful or seeing anybody be extremely successful. So when they see someone accomplishing things and getting things done and doing well in their chosen vocation, it's like it's a guttural thing for them. It's an instinct for them to just rebel against that because for whatever reason, they don't think they can have that level of success in their own life. And so I guess they're jealous or they're mad or they're angry that some other people do have that level of success. That is what it is. Um, I can't fix that. I can't change it. Out of people, Travis. People in this business would kill to garner the type of reaction that you garner. Uh, If I may, and I know my show's getting ready to jump back in here. What what is that? Maybe you can't even put your finger on it, but there's definitely something about you that makes the fans react. And you know, we've done 371 episodes, as you can see over my left shoulder here. But bro. We all the people that we talk to, um, and not that we haven't had legends or whatever, but they're all striving for that thing, and they'll all say the same thing hey, boomy, cheer me, just don't be quiet. And there's no question when Travis Cook and anybody that you're representing comes out, the crowd is not quiet, it's actually quite the opposite. If you could, could you maybe tell us what you think that is? What that I don't know, that that I, I can't even, I can't well, even put it in words, Travis. It, that you thing, know, I. I, I think the, the difference here, or, or maybe what a lot of people misunderstand, is that you, you said, you, did I just pull it out of them? I just, that's not really true, or at least I don't perceive it that way. Okay. I don't intentionally try to pull anything out of anybody in terms of a fan or anything else. Um, I just go out there and do what I do. The thing is, I've always been the type of person, whether we're talking about professional wrestling or any other walk of life, I've never been the type of person who's ever been apologetic for my success or apologetic for my confidence or whatever I've accomplished, anything like that. I've never had that in me. And I guess a lot of people out there, even some successful folks, have this tendency to, to want to be socially accepted to the point that they will kind of curtail their own accomplishments or, or, or kind of talk down what, what they've accomplished and what they're able to do. And I don't believe in that. I, I've never believed in putting off a false sense of humility that I really don't have just to be culturally acceptable. I've never been that way, whether I'm talking about wrestling or anything else. I'm going to perform at my best no matter what I do. 
I'm not going to pretend like I'm something less than I am. I'm going to be unapologetic for everything I accomplish. And I might even rub it in your face a little bit because by God, this is America. You know, we, 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 we do big things. We accomplish big things and we'll rub your face in the fact that we do it. That's what makes us great in any aspect of life. So that's what I do. But as I said earlier, I guess some people just are so emboldened to despise success and to despise people that they find confident, that they just react to it in a negative way. I can't control that. It is what it is. I'm pretty good at operating within that environment. So, you know, so be it. Let people react how they want to react. I'm going to go ahead and do what I need to do to, to be successful. Well, and in other words, Travis Cook is not watering his shit down for none of y'all. Is that fair? No, that is true. <laughs> I mean, that, that is absolutely true. Uh, no, I don't. Uh, I don't play the politically correct games in any business. And uh, if you ask me a question, I'll give you an honest answer, and you may not like it, but it'll be the truth. Well, speaking of questions, my guy has been chomping at the bit. Maestro, we got all the trigger questions and the words out of the way. I didn't want you to be here so you can give me that look of death, but I had to ask Travis Cook because I knew he wouldn't hold back on us. But, man, the floor is yours. I know you got your own set of questions. They're all going to be freaking awesome. So jump on in here. Is, what do is you that have? the guy that screwed up my M&Ms? Allegedly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Where are the green M&Ms for crying out loud? Gee, you have one job and you screw it up. (laughs) Go ahead, guys. Take it away. If it makes you feel better, Attila Khan has one job, and I personally think he'll screw it up too. But to each their own. Um, So my first question for you is simple. First off, I'm just going to say it. You would not believe how many interviews I have done on this podcast, and your name has come up in the comments section. Not in the interview, just in the comment mm-hmm. section, bouncing off what you and Renee were talking about. But you'll be happy to know I do not think of you as SpongeBob or you look like Barney the Dinosaur, so you'll be thankful. Well, that's good that. because that's true. I don't look like SpongeBob or Barney the Dinosaur or whatever else. I don't even know where the hell that came from. Um, okay, so here's the thing I wanted to ask. I remember where it came from, but, you know, it, it, it goes back a long way. From? This goes back probably about 10 years. Um, There was a a situation where I was in a match. Well, what it was, it was a deal where if the other wrestler won, they got five minutes alone in the ring with me. And by cheating, the other wrestler won. But I had three guys knock him out beforehand, so I took the five minutes myself to kick his tail. And then uh, while that was happening, Rocky Johnson, the Rock's dad, was at ringside. He grabs me from outside the ring and throws a couple shots at me from behind. I wasn't prepared for that. Throws me back in, and the wrestler, it was Gary Jackson, I believe, uh, ripped my pants off. And I was wearing these SpongeBob SquarePants boxer shorts that Jessica Simpson had given me as a birthday gift, and that's where it started. So that that started a long time ago, and never so often it pops up again. But if you want to know the story, that, that was the story. It was a gift from Jessica Simpson, and it's taken on a life of its own. Wow, that is yeah, I was gonna say that's become almost a meme in the wrestling community. Um Bro, you're gonna follow oh, yeah. up on the Jessica Simpson thing, right? Like he got boxers for Jessica Simpson? No, yeah. no, I got this. We were a thing. I mean, but before she got oh, big, you know, we were a thing. I mean, but you know, she kind of put on a couple of pounds over the years, so we're not together anymore. But yeah, there was a time. Yeah. It's her loss. It's okay, buddy. You're yeah, good. it is. Um all right, so here's a question I want to ask you, and it's about the NWA World Heavyweight Champion, Trevor Murdoch. 
You know, we all something I'm an expert in. Right. So Attila Khan's, of course, gonna be facing Trevor Murdoch for the title. This is my thing. I was there when Trevor Murdoch beat Nick Aldis for the title. It was August 29th. When he faced your guy Attila Khan, it's going to be his first title defense. Now, Attila Khan's been kicking a lot of ass from from August 29th to now. How do you think that impacts Trevor Murdoch going into this upcoming match? Well, I think it works to our advantage, quite frankly. Uh, that There's a number of things that I think work to our advantage right now that we'll probably discuss as we go through the night here. Uh, but the thing that I think works to Attila Khan's advantage is that he's been in the ring week after week, month after month that whole time. And the thing that happens with any athlete, and great athletes like me would know this, what happens with any athlete is when, when you're out there in the gym every day, in the ring every day, or in the ring every week or whatever, you get those reps in, you get sharp, you get, uh, you get on the top of your game. A lot of times you'll see a football team that has a bye week, and you think, okay, they're going to come back from the bye week in their next game. They're just going to be you know, doing great, and they end up flat and they get beat. Or sometimes in the college bowl season, you'll see a team that plays their last game and like Thanksgiving weekend, and then they don't play again until January, and there's penalties all over the place, and they, they can't execute and the whole thing. So the fact that Attila Khan has had more competitive in-ring time than Trevor Murdoch over that period really works to his advantage because he's had that time in the ring, and yet he really hasn't been put in danger by anybody to any great degree. He hasn't really been put at risk, so it's the perfect combination. Trevor Murdoch's in a lot of trouble from that perspective as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and I can understand that totally. And, you know, and being the sports guy that I am, yeah, I see it all the time. I talk about, like, I see how teams are on these bye weeks. I'm like, I can't wait for this bye week. They get the much-needed rest. Come out and they get their ass kicked like 38-6 or something like that. So it's like, well, there goes that. And you're absolutely right about the college football one, too. I mean – it, to go two months practically without playing a football game. Oh yeah, out there on you know, a national television stage, and and you are just looking. Yeah, so if, if you ever see the, if like you just look like a summer. Yeah, if you ever see the guys. first quarter of most college bowl games, aside from the playoffs, uh, but most of the college bowl games, the first quarter is always atrocious. I mean, there's false start penalties left and right, and. Motion penalties, illegal formations, all that crap because they haven't been on a football field in a competitive environment in a month and a half. So uh, that translates to wrestling, you know. And, and and you know, I'm sure Trevor Murdoch's been training. I'm sure he's been doing what he you know thinks he needs to do. But there's no substitute for competition. And uh, Attila Khan has been getting that, getting that competition. And in the meantime, Trevor Murdoch has started to find out that he's got a big target on his back. You recall what happened, what, a couple of weeks ago with Mike Knox finding him in a steel cage and beating the dog out of him? Well, after that, there is absolutely no way that Trevor Murdoch can be 100% going into December 1st at the Holiday Inn in South St. Louis. No way. I'd be surprised if Trevor Murdoch is 70% going into that. I saw that beating. It was vicious. Mike Knox did a heck of a job. And uh, I'm telling you, Trevor Murdoch is... Going into this situation at a major, major disadvantage. I I actually do agree with that. And if only it's just because of what we just talked about with the whole, you know, time off resting. And then obviously getting an ass kicking from Mike Knox is definitely going to wear you down just a little bit heading into a match against the Tilcon. Now, my next question about everything going on 
slightly about Attilicon, if I may. It's kind of about how this challenge started. I mean, it was quite simple. It was last Saturday night. Attilicon defended the title or the SICW Classic Wrestling Championship against Pete Madden. After the match, what did he do? He put Madden in the Mongolian clutch. And mm-hmm. you demanded that the actions be recorded and sent to Trevor Murdoch. Yeah, I'm a fair man. I want like, him to see what, what's ahead of him. And, and that's fine. Do you feel like that was the only way that you could have gotten that match for the NWA World T- Championship? Or even if not, do you feel like that was just the way to get it? Well, let me correct your timeline just a little bit. Because uh, what you saw Saturday night was not the first notice that we'd given to Trevor Murdoch. It actually happened about four weeks ago where I actually made a challenge. You may not have seen it. I actually made a challenge on camera to Trevor Murdoch for the World Heavyweight title match. And my reasoning was for three years, Attila Khan has beaten everybody else he's come up against. Not only here in St. Louis, but across the country, down in Tennessee, all kinds of other places. Nobody's put his shoulders to the mat over that period of time. No one's even put him in, in in a compromising position in that period of time. And I figured, hey, he's a heavyweight champion here in SICW. Nobody can touch him. The only guy left that I can find that might, might give him a fight is the world heavyweight champion. And even at that, that's a guy that people don't realize is tr- that Attila Khan knows from way, way back. Attila Khan has beat his brains out a decade and a half ago. So he knows Trevor Murdoch better than anybody else. So when Trevor Murdoch won the world title, I knew right then and there, this was our opportunity. Not only could we make the challenge and probably get the match, but it's a champion that he has a built-in advantage over. So it made sense to to make the challenge. Instead of going through the normal channels of sending a contract to the NWA and proposals and all that paperwork that I knew they would pretend that they didn't get, and, oh, haven't gotten it, Trevor, and all this stuff. Instead of doing that, I went in front of a camera with a microphone. I made the challenge publicly where he couldn't ignore it, where the NWA couldn't ignore it, where nobody could ignore it. And dare I say it, that strategic element on my part, that decision on my part, proved to be brilliant because Trevor Murdoch did get word of it. He did sign the contract. I'm not real sure he wanted to, but he did sign the contract. There will be a World Heavyweight Championship match, and now Trevor Murdoch's going to go into that world title match less than 100%. I don't mean to put the cart in front of the horse here, but my plan has played out perfectly to this point. Now, if I'm a genius, well, absolutely. And, and I want to say something because um, I don't want it to escape me. So, number one, I think that works both ways, Travis. And, and I'm without a doubt on your side, but just as well as Attila knows Trevor, Trevor knows Attila. And if I remember correctly, it wasn't but about a year and some change ago that Nick Aldis almost lost the NWA World Heavyweight Championship in St. Louis against Leland Race. And the key to that for Leland was that he was unknown to Nick Aldis to a certain extent. That's not going to happen with Trevor. Trevor knows Attila. So the element surprise is not there. I'm curious, since that's not there, what else is there for Attila to take advantage of other than the fact that Trevor might be a little rusty. 
Well, first of all, you're right that the, the element of surprise is not there, and I never intended for the element of surprise to be there. I, I didn't want an element of surprise. Frankly, at this point, if you don't know who Attila Khan is over the last three years, you're if you're surprised by seeing him, then you've been living under a rock. Okay? So I knew going in, even, even if you didn't have the past with Trevor and Attila that you have, even without that, he has to know who Attila Khan is. The whole wrestling business knows who Attila Khan is. That's the worst-kept secret in wrestling. So the thought of an element of surprise or something like that never entered into my mind. That was never never a practical matter. But the point is, I knew I have, I know that I have the most violent machine in professional wrestling today that nobody can, can go one-on-one with. And I hear, hear Trevor Murdoch has come out of this great series of matches with Nick Aldis. You mentioned him. He's a great wrestler, but that's the thing. He's a great wrestler. He's a great wrestler. But when it comes down to survival instead of wrestling, that's a big difference. And that's where Tillicon has the advantage over the world champion, Trevor Murdoch. He's got the advantage over every human being on planet Earth. So, frankly, I, I, I used a different type of strategy to get Murdoch in the ring and get this title match signed. And I think uh, I think I've done that for good reason. Wow, absolutely strong, Maestro. Sorry for cutting in, bro. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I next thing I got to ask is another uh, SICW question. How is uh, Ken Casa and Waco doing? Uh, Ken Casa is doing. Yeah, I know they had Ken, uh, Ken Casa is doing great. Waco, get it right, Maestro. Okay, so Ken Costa's doing great. Uh, Waco, I don't really know because he's not a part of the Travis Cook organization. We allowed him to team with Ken Costa the other night. Uh, frankly, he didn't hold up his end of the bargain, but that's why he's not in the Travis Cook organization to begin with. But Ken Costa did a wonderful right. job. You'll notice when he was in the ring in that tag team title match, he dominated Flash Flanagan and Jason Breed. So he's doing wonderful. I'm looking for uh, you know different situations for him to maybe get back to win the tag team championship or maybe, maybe even go after the Central States title held by Gary Jackson. So the future is bright for the Iron Man Ken Costa, no doubt about that. Okay, good. I know they had a hell of a match, and you know, like I said, Ken Costa really took it to Flash Flanagan during that match. But oh, he really did. Yeah, ultimately they did come up. And the strange um, thing about so, Flash Flanagan is, you know, this Flanagan is a psychopath. I don't know if you've noticed this. He's a sociopath. This I've guy, seen him work. I agree. Yeah, this guy cannot. Way. Yeah, th- this guy cannot get me out of his mind for some reason. He keeps going around talking about how he wants to get me in another match. He wants to wrestle me. He wants to do all this stuff. He forgets that I wrestled him before the pandemic in a loser leave town match. And and I'm not a competitive wrestler. I haven't been in quite some time. I'm not in, you know, day-to-day wrestling shape per se. But before the pandemic, when I had that loser leave town match with Flash Flanagan, I beat him. I kicked his tail. I knocked him out and I ran him out of town. And he's mad about that. He's mad that I put my hands on his wife and threw her across the ring and that all this other stuff happened. Granted, she never should have been in the ring to begin with. So this guy is hell-bent on finding me and tracking me down and, and saying he's going to do all kinds of things to me. But in doing that, he loses sight of someone like Ken Casa, who is a wonderful wrestler, a far better wrestler than Flash Flanagan is, by the way, and actually just had him, just had him at his mercy last Saturday night. So... You know, Flash Flanagan really needs to get his mind straight and really get it on on the task at hand, which is trying to win wrestling matches. 
And he needs to forget about trying to get me in another match or get his hands on me or whatever, because if, if he were to do that, I'd knock him out again and I'd run him out of here again. And, and I'm not sure he'd be able to get in a ring after that. So, you know, be careful what you wish for, Flash. You need to keep your mind on uh, on the business at hand. Yeah, that's, that about sums it up because – but you know what? Start warning. Are you sure you're not talking about Aaron Wallace? <laughs> Come on, my – No, I'm talking uh, about Flash Flanagan. I don't – I don't know, maybe they're related or something. I don't know. Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, listen, uh, Maestro, if you're done, I actually had a couple of, of other quick hitter questions, if that's all right with you. And then, oh, so Travis, uh, here's the other question that I had for you. And I know there's uh, your business life and then there's your personal life. So outside of professional wrestling, I see you got a target up over your right shoulder there. <laughs> I like that, and uh, shout-out to uh, Rick Ruby came in and said, hey, I like the target. That's for everybody who wants to take their shot at Travis Cook. Sonny Mene Mayo, Philadelphia's uh, very own, came on. He had some uh, some wonderful things to say about Travis Cook as well. But what does Travis Cook like to do when he's not being the last great manager and America's evil genius? What do you like to do for fun, man? What, what do you do? Well, my reference, my reference of Jessica Simpson might give you a clue. Usually, you know, what I like to become involved with in my free time is uh, you know, blonde and buxom. But uh, not going any further into that, uh, you know, I, I do some competitive shooting on my part as well. I, I love a good firearm, and I love all different types of firearms, actually. Uh, so I do that quite a bit. America. America. Yeah, I, I've, dis- I've discovered the, the beauty of the revolver in the last year. I've always been a semi-auto guy until... The pandemic came down, and I'm like, ah, oh, try roll. Okay, quick question. I mean, quick comment. So when I when I went from my CCW, my concealed carry, mm-hmm. I actually used an old school revolver. Okay, and they're fantastic. So much fun to yeah. shoot. It de- it depends on what you like and what you want. Now, now I'll be honest. I don't really carry a revolver that often, uh, just because of the lack of capacity. But uh, you know, sometimes I will. And uh, but as far as going to the range. I've got a Ruger GP100, which is a 357 Magnum revolver. I'm sure that means nothing to most of your your uh, listeners here, but oh, that thing is wonderful. I love shooting that thing. It, it, it's it's a great occasion, uh, and yeah, you know, I do the political thing, a political talk show, and that sort of thing. And I like to keep up on you know politics and world history and things like that. And I love a good meal, that's for sure. So I I, I find plenty of things to fill my time with uh, outside of professional wrestling. So electric chair situation, one last meal, one last song. What are you eating and what are you listening to? Damn. Yeah, it's world, um, <laughs> as far as the meal, man, that's a tough one. I think I know the song. There's a the lot way. of things that I could put in that. I'm going to go for the old standard of a good steak you know, in a good steak dinner with all the trimmings, your baked potato, your your salad, your cheesecake. I mean, I, if Bacon I'm going to go wrap out, asparagus, I like that idea, except for the asparagus. You know, <laughs> if I'm going to wrap some in bacon, it ain't going to be asparagus. It'll be something else, man. <laughs> Give me another vegetable wrap. Just wrap the steak in bacon. I'm good with that. I'm definitely good with it. Let's do that. <laughs> and the music, you know what, man? The Can music. I take a guess on the song. Go go for it. Is it that new number one smash hit? Let's go, Brandon. That's a good song. Uh, I that wasn't my first choice, although I, I really enjoy that song, and I think that 
It's great to see hip hop coming back around to its former glory with that song, by the way. It's former glory. But, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, the, you know, we're going back to the days of MC Hammer and Vanilla Ice and some of the great hippity hop artists of, of the past with that. But uh, as far as the music goes, I have a very wide ranging musical taste. So, you know, what I tell you today might be different than what I tell you tomorrow. But if I got to listen to one song as I go out, my first thought would be the Hank Williams Jr. version of the song Lawyers, Guns, and Money. The old Warren Zevon song that Hank, Hank Jr. did a version of it that was awesome. So that would probably be it. Give me my steak. Give me my, give me my cheesecake. Listen to Lawyers, Guns, and Money, and then throw the switch. Hell freaking yeah. I love it. Well, last question for you. We're not going to do shoot and chat today because we're running a little bit low on time. But last question for you, Travis. You know that Billy Corden and the big wigs over at the NWA, they keep their pulse on what's going on and what people are saying. And I don't know the one place they're definitely going to stop every once in a while is WrestleTalkPodcast.com. So if you could look into the camera and address both Billy Corgan and Trevor Murdoch on behalf of the Travis, Cor- uh, Travis Cook organization and Attila Khan, what would you say to them right here, right now? The floor is yours. Well, I'm not sure there's much more I need to say to Trevor Murdoch that he doesn't already know. Uh, the talking's going to happen in the ring, and he knows he's backed into a corner right now. He knows that going back over two decades when he was coming up in training and he had to deal with Atilicon, and Atilicon beat him in, in arenas all over the Midwest and in locker rooms all over the Midwest and on the side of the road sometimes – uh, Trevor was always the guy back then who was, was being touted as the, the guy who would make it out of that group. Uh, but Attila Khan was always ahead of him. So I, I guess Murdoch thought he could outrun his past. Uh, that's going to prove not to be the case. He's going to deal with his past December 1st in St. Louis with the world title on the line. Now, as far as William Corrigan goes, you know, I, I know that people – and people have asked me about him a couple times in the last few weeks. They have this assumption that he and I would ne- would somehow have a, an acrimonious relationship like me and Herb Simmons do over in SICW. And that doesn't have to be the case. Herb Simmons and I get along like oil and water. Everybody knows about that, and there's been some problems with us for years. But the way I look at it, once Atilicon wins the world title and William Corgan has to deal exclusively with me to get world title matches, I'm looking at going into this relationship with Mr. Corgan of the blank slate. I'm not going to go in with any preconceived notions. I'm going to look at this as an op- opportunity for both of us to make as much money as we possibly can and for both of us to get disgustingly wealthy. And if William Corgan is a businessman and is intent on offering us the type of contracts and financial guarantees and amenities and guarantees that Attilicon is frankly worth once he's the world's heavyweight champion, there will not be any problems whatsoever with William Corrigan or with the National Wrestling Alliance. But I will also say this, not as a threat, just as a fact, because you can look at my history. If Mr. Corrigan decides to go another route, and if he were to decide to try and shortchange us on money or not acquiesce to the uh, accommodations that we want or not treat us as the world champion we deserve to be treated as, then yes, it can become contentious. And I've shown throughout my career that when that time arises for me to be contentious with the promoter, I can do it. And I frankly, I always win when I do that. But it doesn't have to be that way, Mr. Corgan. If you approach this like the businessman that you are, I know 
especially with your, your music business, that you've handled that masterfully over the years. If you handle the wrestling business the same way, there's no reason that you and I can't have mutually beneficial goals, that Attila Khan can be your world heavyweight champion, a world champion that the entire National Wrestling Alliance can be extremely proud of, and there's no reason, Mr. Corgan, that you and I can't make an obscene amount of money together. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. There's a reason that this man has not necessarily proclaimed himself. Yeah, I think he's more or less just stating the obvious, Maestro, the last great manager in professional wrestling. And not only that, in his part-time, he's also America's evil genius. Maestro, be grateful for the presence of Travis Cook. Please show some respect. Dude, well, you're he, you're literally talking to a guy who's about to be managing the NWA World Champion. I mean, come come on, bro. Pay respect. Well, that's what I, well that's what I'm saying. I mean, I would love to give him a booster in this whole thing, but I I don't think he'll take it. So I'm just gonna let the evil genius himself let, lead a Tilcon to victory over Trevor Murdoch come December first. Well, that's exactly what's going to happen. December the first, you're going to see a new World Heavyweight Champion. Remember, St. Louis, Missouri. If you look back at history. St. Louis is the city where the NWA title has changed hands more often than any other, any other town in the world. And so there's no reason it can't happen again. There's no reason it shouldn't happen again, especially when you've got a guy like Attila Khan that has dominated this country for the last three years. And when you've got a world champion who is impressive as he is, and Trevor Murdoch is impressive in his own way, but I don't think he's ever come up against a challenge like this. And he's coming up against this, at 70% after the beating from Mike Knox. He's found out real quickly that when you're the world champion, after about a week or two, all those uh, pats on the back go by the wayside and you become a walking target. And uh, he's experienced the brunt of that. And now it's about to pay off for me and Attila Khan. Ooh, it all goes back to the greenbacks, baby. the ultimate hype game right there. <laughs> and, and you know what? It uh, ain't hype when it's the facts. Oh, it's, it's all facts. Hashtag Attila all facts. Khan is going to be the world champion, and I am going to be obscenely rich. <laughs> More than you. Okay. We're so, rich, but you'll be right. richer. Relatively I'm not obscenely rich. That's the next step. That's right. Okay. He's talking about wealthy, Maestro. Come yeah. on, get with the program. All right, so... I do want to pause briefly before we close this thing out because we do have a world champion, the uh, uh, um, the, the one and only ISP is going to be joining us. Which, by the way, ISP, I don't know if you know this. I know you're backstage waiting to come on. Bro, there are people who have literally been waiting over an hour to have you join the show. That's the kind of um, <laughs> support that you have or haters, Thanks. one or the other. But, but I did want to pause briefly before we let you go, Travis, and just say one thing. Um, everything we just talked about aside, bro, you've been in this business a long time and I'm learning. About, I'm old. Uh, no, what I'm saying is you're very tenured and you're, you're almost sage like in your wrestling knowledge and, and allow me to continue to throw these flowers because aside from all that, you have been contributing to this sport for a long time. And as guys who have a special appreciation, not just for professional wrestling, but professional wrestling in the Midwest, let us thank you. Now, we don't always agree with your tactics and your motives and the way that you go about handling your business. But one thing's for sure, sir, you have grinded it out for a long time. And there is a serious amount of appreciation on behalf of the Wrestle Talk family, the producers, the host, 
and everybody for everything you've contributed here. And I'm sure somewhere deep down inside, somewhere where he's off in the corner having a, a very nice cup of rye whiskey, Herb Simmons probably knows where I'm coming from when I say, dude, we're appreciative for all your contributions. Keep going for a long time. And before too long, you may be calling yourself the manager of the NWA world champion. So thank you, sir. We appreciate that. Even though sometimes you're low down and dirty and, and you know, you do whatever it takes to get the job done. So hey, there, there's no, there's nobody who has ever been successful in any aspect of life who has not been low down and dirty at some point. Remember one thing, not just with wrestling, but with anything else in this life. Remember that they got Richard Nixon for doing all sorts of chicanery back in the day. They did. But in truth, everything Nixon did was the same thing Lyndon Johnson had done and John Kennedy had done and all the other presidents had done. They just shot a spotlight on it for him. The point of that being, when you're the man, when you're on top of the heap, when you're the man that stirs the drink, you have to do whatever it takes to be successful and to get the job done. I've always believed in that. I've never made apologies for it. And now on December the 1st, that's going to come into play with the World Heavyweight Championship on the line. If you think the things that Attila Khan and Travis Cook have done in the past have been despicable and upsetting and violent and have no place in professional wrestling, well, quite frankly, you haven't seen anything yet Come out on December 1st and see what we're willing to do to become the heavyweight champion of the world. Uh, tickets, show location before we close it out, real quick. It is in St. Louis, Missouri at the Holiday Inn at the corner of Watson Road and Lindbergh. Uh, so if you know that part of town, that's where that's at. It's right across the street from a Fuddrucker, so you can get you a good cheeseburger on the way down there. Oh, so yeah. Uh, yeah, so you get you a good cheeseburger and a shake. And uh, you can go to, if you find, uh, I believe, SICW uh, on uh, Facebook, you can get tickets that way, or someone gets you a hold of someone and get tickets. There you go. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only America's evil genius, the last great manager in professional wrestling, Travis Cook. <laughs> Adios. Adios. Take care, my friend. Maestro, maestro. Ma Why don't we do this more often? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. You're you're a uh, a, a Rams. Oh, okay, never mind. Uh, you're a Blues fan. I'm a Florida Panthers fan. You're a Browns fan. I'm a Chiefs fan. It doesn't matter, bro. It's wrestling that brings us together, bro. It's such an amazing thing. You know why Thank we don't you, bro. Do this more often, because we're busy guys. I realize why we don't do this more often. Um, having Travis Cook as a guest, plus it's only a two-hour show. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, dude, and I but told you, like, shit, we're going to get into everything yeah, with Travis Cook. That's the, I mean, dude. we were talking about, before we had him on, what were we talking about? We are talking about paying dues. This guy is really paid dues, and <laughs> he makes and some bro, other guys. Uh, Sorry, go ahead, finish. No, I was just saying, you know, he's done this for 20 years. So he pretty much has, has done it all, and now he's going into December 1st, and we might quite possibly see – the next NWA World Heavyweight Champion. And it's I almost coming. saw it. I almost saw it at that Harley race show. The WLW Harley was still yeah. there. He was in the wheelchair ringside. Front, yeah, I know. My boy Kyle. Show, yeah. Was at, yeah. Yeah. I don't think we were talking to each other too much yet back then. But, bro, in St. Louis, it could happen. And you know what's crazy? We're going to go from St. Louis to the Eastern Panhandle. Because we're not even having a break today, bro. We, we got to keep flowing through it. But what I did want to say, Maestro, is 
that's the beauty, right? Like, what other show is going to break kayfabe and give Travis Cook his flowers? Nobody is. They're going to spend the whole time giving him heat, and I couldn't do that because despite how hated he is, right, by, you know, the people that go out and, and do what they do as fans at the shows, this dude has legitimately been grinding it for 20-plus years in the business. And at some point, no matter how dastardly he is, we got to give the man his flowers and somebody has to say thank you, bro. I'm glad we got the opportunity to do that because as life goes on, bro, you start seeing the people that were losing left and right. You know what I mean? Sometimes way too early. And if nobody ever says it to him, man, it might as well be us here on the Wrestle Talk podcast, episode 371. You know, what do you think, Maestro? I think it's it goes down to this. No matter who we have on, um, you know, obviously Travis Coast one of the definitely the more controversial figures, especially around here. Um, but guess what? No matter how hated he is, he's human, you know. Um, and I told him, I said clear as day. At least I know why uh, somebody said that he looks like. Uh, uh, or has the thing of SpongeBob. I know where that came from. I still don't get where the hell the Barney the Dinosaur thing came from, but I mean, no, he's been doing this 20 years. Hell of a guy. Um, you know, obviously he knows his stuff when it comes to wrestling. And that's exactly why we had to give the man his flowers. Um, Maestro, we got about five minutes before our second featured guest. There's a couple of unfinished business that we need to get to uh, because we didn't get to it during the high spot segment. But before we do that, bro, would you do me a huge favor and give a shout out to all the wonderful sponsors of the Wrestle Talk podcast? Maestro, please go ahead and uh, take it away. All right. We got to thank the great sponsors. They are Everything Combat, Kincaid Arcade, Esports Bar KC. Interstate 70 Sports Media and the amazing team members we have there. Royal Mills Transportation, Painter's Dream Productions, Rathbun Engraving, and of course, the FWWC. Without all of you, the Wrestle Talk podcast wouldn't even be on StreamYard. I'd still be at home on my damn cell phone calling in and holding it like this. But nope, we got this amazing platform, you know, and like I said, one more time, everything combat. Kincade Arcade, Esports Bar KC, Interstate 70 Sports Media, Royal Mills Transportation, Painter's Dream Productions, Rathbun Engraving, which makes amazing mugs. You know, and Renee's got one right there. Hoss usually has them right in front of him, but Renee's got one right there in front of you, folks. And of course, the premier fantasy wrestling league, the FWWC, baby, to my heart. Shout out to um Big Cheese, uh, who's in the hospital right now, recovering. Um, we love you, bro. He he's been to many of our watch parties, Maestro. Uh, he's got a barbershop, Legacy Cuts, here in Kansas City. Um, obviously, his family is is going through a tough time as uh, he battles with some health issues and stuff like that. But he is kind of working his way back, so it looks like he's going to be okay, but he's just been a long time, kind of one of those quiet, silent supporters of the Wrestle Talk podcast that we love and appreciate so much. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to do, and, and you know, earlier I mentioned a little bit of unfinished business. I know you loved the juicy MJF Twitter beef, <laughs> or I should say, uh, yeah, was it Twitter beef? Yeah, Twitter beef um, with, with Brandy Rhodes, but I also wanted to share 
something equally as hot off the presses, and that is that this Friday, the Wrestle Talk podcast will be in the building for DWF. That's right. The Dynamic Wrestling Federation is back in Kansas City, good old Overland Park. And guess what, bro? We got Devin yeah. Thomas. We got Jeremy Wyatt. We got a bunch of incredible talent right here. And you know, Maestro, I'm always kind of complaining. Just like St. Louis doesn't really have good football anymore, we don't have as much good wrestling as we would like. And that's not a shot, I promise, bro. I'm just I'm just keeping it a buck. You and I both know that football isn't what it used to be in St. Louis. And in Kansas City, we struggle. Back, baby. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Let's go XFL. Damn crunky. That's right. Maybe we need to like. Uh, maybe St. Louis needs a Canadian football team. How the hell does that work? How do you get a Canadian uh, football team? Maestro, what about the Toronto Raptors? The Toronto Raptors are an NBA team and an American basketball team or uh, association, but it's a Canadian team. It's Why couldn't called- they do that? Okay, let me tell you something. First off, Toronto is practically an American city at this rate with all the, the American teams. Second, it's called the National Basketball Association, not the United States of America Basketball But what nation is it? National, it's national. What nation? And, uh, what nation, bro? Just answer me that. It's, if it's, it's the national basketball. the one where that uh, shitty singing at the beginning of the show was. <laughs> Yo, Lee Rose <laughs> Come on, Maestro. You can't be like that, bro. You can't play both sides of the fence, my guy. Come on. You got to relax. You got to relax. Well, anyway, let me get back to it, bro. Uh, Dynamic Wrestling Federation this upcoming Friday, November 19th. Um, the Monarch Jeremy Wyatt will be defending against the infamous Devin Thomas. Now, I have to say, not that anybody's a stranger to these two gentlemen, but I've seen them wrestle more than most. And let me tell you, my show, these are without a shadow of a doubt, two of the best professional wrestlers really anywhere right now, but particularly in the Midwest, dude. You and I both know that great wrestling isn't super hard to find, but when you find it, you got to cherish it. You got to keep it, dude. Until, I mean, all the stuff you guys have in St. Louis. But for us, dude, I got to say that these this DWS show has me so excited that me and my son are actually going to be showing up there just as fans. We bought tickets. Well, actually, a buddy picked up the tickets for us. We're going to pay him on show day. But even though we work in the business, even though we do this, and we got some of the very best guests in the world, as a matter of fact, ladies ladies and gentlemen, we do have a champion joining us here in about a minute's time. But, dude, we're going to be in the house. I'm super excited about it. And I hope that you guys will be encouraged that even if you watch a lot of wrestling on TV, man, get out to your independent show because I know on your side of things, Maestro, you got a couple of big shows coming up. Not only the SICW show, but Dynamo Pro. Uh, I hear Fred Yehi, Camaro Jackson, that thing's back on. And then I also hear St. Louis Anarchy is going to be getting down here in a matter of moments. So we do have about 45 seconds left, bro. Why don't you drop the information on that? Um, because I shared my DWF. That's where I'm going to be this Friday again. Dynamic Wrestling Federation on Facebook. I want you to do the same thing for your area, right. bro, because we got to keep well, spreading the independent wrestling love, baby. We got to keep doing it. All right. Well, let me tell you where I'm going to be on September. Or I'm sorry, on Saturday, November 27th. I'll tell you where I'll be September next year, too. I'll be 
enjoying life. But let me tell you about this <laughs> November 27th. That's right. Dynamo Pro Wrestling is back at the historic Concordia Turner's Gymnasium, which is 6432 Gravoy Avenue in St. Louis. I mean, we're going to have Adrian Surge, the longest reigning Dynamo Pro heavyweight champion. We're going to have Yehai versus Camaro Jackson. We're going to have the Art City Mercenaries and the Tag Team Championship Open Challenge. That right there is enough to get me there to check it out. But, I mean, let me tell you, tickets are only $10 in advance, 15 at the door. Kids 5 to 12 are $5. If you're under 5 come on in for free. Doors open at 7 and the show is at 8 Sponsored by the Teresa Mall and Slackers. And let me tell you something. You're going to get to see the maestro there. Hopefully, I'll be back behind the commentary table. The last two times I've been at a Dynamo Pro show, I tell you, you talk about paying dues, I filmed the damn shows. I was with the camera going around ringside. Almost took a bump on the side of the hip there uh, during one of the You're too old for that shit, bro. You need to stop. (laughs) You're too old for that shit. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, two guys over the top row gets me right on the head. I'm just like, oh, shit. So I'll be there. You know, pray to good Lord above. I get to do commentary this time, but I do whatever I can. I'm excited for it. I know you all will be too. We got KC Wrestling being repped out on Renee's side, and we got the STL rep wrestling over here. So I tell you, the Show Me State is the place to be for the best wrestling that you will see. Boom. Well- Wow, baby, mic drop. But wait, you can't do that. We got to finish the show. You got to, like, pick up ah, the mic again. Shit. Oh, yeah. And, don't, hey, by the way, our guy, Jeremy Wyatt, who we love to hate, he's actually going to be in St. Louis the day after. Okay? That's uh, November 20th for Anarchy. It's called Megatech, and he's going to be defending uh, against Gary J, and that is the Gateway Heritage Championship. That's got these really kind of incredible rules. There's a limit on rope breaks. I think countouts are like 20. It's 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 called the Gateway Heritage Championship. The uh, Okay, no, so this is a no rules, no time limit. Yeah, the Gateway Heritage Championship rules are kind of unique. This one's like no holds barred. So St. Louis versus KC, baby. It doesn't get more St. Louis than Gary J, and it doesn't get more Kansas City than Jeremy Wyatt. So that said, guys, we wanted to make sure we shared with you kind of where we're going to be over the next couple of weeks, either supporting or working these shows, because that's what we do here on the WTP, baby. We keep it 100 when it comes to supporting independent wrestling. Now, with all that said, it's about to get real exciting in here because it's not often that we get to talk to a heavyweight champion. Before we bring ISP on, let's go ahead and bring back on the man who runs the boards, the man who handles business over in the FWWC, the one and only Hardcore Haas. Now, Haas, we're working on getting ISP set up. Dude, just give us a brief idea of who exactly it is that we're going to be talking to here in just a matter of moments. Well, let me tell you this man. He he is one heck of a wrestler. He, it's great to watch him wrestle and, uh, he was the first television champion in WDWA. He uh, now holds the world title, and he's managed by Doug Rafferty, another member of the Wrestle Talk family, um, and just an all all around uh, nice guy at times. <laughs> uh, but you know, 
And like LT said last week, when he comes out, you can he's a heel, but you can find about a third of the crowd cheering him. And I, it's just because he is just such a great athlete and just very, very talented and great to watch. So I look forward to this interview with him. It's not often that he gets to actually carve out the time to be on a podcast. So this is a very rare appearance for him. So uh, it, it's it's great to have him. Well, it is going to be great to have him. So ladies and gentlemen, without any further ado, the show goes on because you are going to be graced by a true world champion. Ladies and gentlemen, WDWE's very own ISP. Can you hear me, gentlemen? Yes, sir. Welcome to the show. Welcome, my friend. Champ, thank you for I have no volume on you. Nope. Can you hear us right now? Champ, can you hear me? I have no volume, my friend. Champ, champ, one, two, one, two, champ. Can you hear us on your microphone? Here, if you want, just disconnect your headphones. All right, let's, uh, John, I'm going to let you handle that. I'll bring Maestro back in real quick. Just have them unplug the headphones. Go, go straight device. That's it. That's That'll fix it. Trust me, okay? Handle that. We'll have you back here in just a matter of moments. Um, okay, guys, real quick, I'm going to bring the Maestro back in. Um, ISP's getting ready to join us. We're going to get you that interview, we promise. Um, I wanted to take a second, though, personally, to thank everybody who supported us here locally in Kansas City. As you guys know, my wife's mother's been dealing with cancer. Uh, I shared it after a while of dealing with it because it was something that we couldn't kind of, we couldn't handle the burden on our own. So we reached out and the support we've gotten has been so absolutely incredible. And, And you know what? As much help as I got from my blood family, which I more or less expected because that's the kind of family that I have. They're just incredible people. The support that I got from the pro wrestling community People that weren't even in Kansas City were sending money to somebody that they never met before, for somebody that they never met before, just on my word. And let me share with everybody, my show, I'll bring you in for this. Bro, we were able to raise over $3,000 in one weekend to help take care of my mother-in-law, Demetria's uh, hospital bills, where she's got a deductible she's got to meet before like Medicaid kicks in. For those of you guys who understand insurance, you'll know what I mean. For those of you who don't, just trust me, it's it's difficult. Bro, in one weekend, we got 70% of what we needed. And that's like even without a whole bunch of pushing the GoFundMe and stuff like that. So God bless you guys. Thank you for your generosity. My wrestling family has been so good to me over these last five years. And I know Joey's not here anymore. Rick isn't here anymore. RIP Rick Rose, who we also lost to uh, a medical condition. But I'm here still. And we got John. We got Maestro. We got uh, Big Sexy. We got Skywalker, man. So Wrestle Talk, I-70, and everybody else who supports us, man, lives on and lives strong. So if y'all want to know why the hell I'm here every single week, 
as or as often as I can be is because of the love that you guys have shown me and the embrace that I've gotten. And and by the way, uh, not only am I going to be at the show this weekend, but on December 4th, we got the KWA Super Show. Shout out to Pena. Shout out to Billy Simmons. Shout out to all the wonderful people who uh, give me an opportunity to live my dream. Now, that said, Hardcore Hoss, are we ready for the champ? I want to make sure we pay our respects. And, and, you know, he is a world champion after all. So we got to make a good impression. We got to make sure we got him locked in before we hit that that button. I believe we are ready. He gave me the thumbs up just a few minutes ago. So I think we're good to go. Let's do it. Let's bring him on. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, the one and only Israel Sharif Pakur, champ. Can you hear us? Uh, I can hear you. How are you doing, gentlemen? Sir, I tip my cap to you. Thank you so much for being here and working through the technical difficulties. Champ, right off the bat, you've been watching and listening to the show. Thank you for being here. As you can see, we got a love and a passion for this sport, man. And we love to have guys on that that have that same thing. You know, that fire, bro. You know what I mean? All of us have that. All of us have that. No, no, it's our pleasure, bro, because... You took Absolutely. it one step further than us. We're podcasters, refs, and stuff. Dude, you're a champion, a world champion. Tell us what that's like and the responsibility that it means to be a world champion as you currently are. Uh, a little bit of insight to last weekend. LT called me up and he said, we're having a Battle Bowl show. On November 27th, I believe it is. And no titles are going to be defended. And I know that I didn't have show. However, I feel like it is my responsibility and opportunity as a champion to go out there and perform for the crowd. And it only would make this show better. Not that the WDWA needs me on that card because I'm not defending my championship. But to have a champion in this battle bowl, the first ever, I might say, would be the responsibility that I, as a champion, have to take on. I could have easily turned this down. But when Mr. LT presented the opportunity to me, without hesitation, I accepted the opportunity because I feel like it makes the show better. And that's the responsibility of a champion. Even if you don't have to go out there and work, you still want to work. And there's times where my body over time is breaking down. <laughs> but I know that there's people out there that want to see me, whether that be defending my championship or not. So that's the opportunity that I will give them is to see me wrestle that night. So you, what you're saying to us is that obviously as the years goes on, your body starts to, to let you down but you almost feel like you owe it to your fans to go out and continue to perform. Is you that have correct? To give me one second to listen in on you because for some reason, the connection is kind of fuzzy over on this area. Okay. So I'm going to pull you up on another platform and if I can listen to you through there. Okay. That, that sounds great. We'll give you a second to do that. All right, guys. I want to I want to go ahead and make sure that we keep the flow of the conversation going. I, I, my question to ISP was answered well. Like you talk about a guy who's admitting, "Hey, physically, this is taking a burden on me, 
but I owe it to the people that want to see me. I don't know if there's anything that makes you feel like that in your life. Uh, Maestro, I'll, I'll let you jump in first where, you know, maybe it's not necessarily the best thing for you, but you continue to like give it all that you got and, and maybe more than you should. That kind of passion is hard to find. I don't know if you can correlate it to anything directly, but but share if you can relate a little bit to what ISP is saying. I mean, I guess honestly, if I have to think of one place, you know, you could easily say you could easily say it's like doing this show or anything like that. But no, for me, it's my full time job at uh, the nursing home I'm at. Um, I've been there six years, and you know, lost my best friend there back in July. Um, and you know, with the pandemic and everything, we and we've lost probably. 40 some odd workers once that mandate for the vaccine came in, you know, it's, it's exhausting. Um, and physically and mentally over the past few years for a variety of reasons, it's just taken a lot out of me, but I go there and I see some of the people and I just, it, it's what keeps me going. Some of these residents just keep me going. Some of my coworkers um, keep me going um, and it helps me look past a lot of the bullshit that I deal with. Um, and, you know, Israel's absolutely right. You know, you're not always going to enjoy everything in life, you know, but sometimes you got to step out of that comfort zone. Sometimes you got to take that extra step. You know, it's something that we learned at my support group called attitude of gratitude, basically. You know, we got to be grateful for what we got, who we got. Because there's always someone who's in a r- more rough situation. Um, so, yeah, I'm definitely that's that's where I can correlate it to. In fact, I'm working tomorrow, um, but um, and I'm thankful for my job. I'm thankful who's there and everything. It's it's just after so much, and especially what's what's going on in the world, you know, today, it just really wears on you. Well, thank you for doing that, bro, because somebody's got to take care of the people that helped us get to this point, which are obviously the older community and the seniors, um, you know, that, that are part of, of our society that we have to care for and love. And it's not always the easiest thing to to bring your parents in to live with you or, or whatever the circumstance might be. There has to be good, kind hearted, hardworking people like the maestro to, you know, to be entrusted with something like that. So thank you for doing that, bro. Cause I worry about my parents and my grandparents, you know what I mean? So it's always good to know that there are people working in that field that like really give a shit, you know what I mean? So appreciate you doing that. Uh, right. On that note, ISP, welcome back. Can you hear us, sir? All right. Well, ISP, I know you can hear us, even though there's a little bit of a delay. I want to go back to my question. That passion that you have for this sport, that we share. That's why we do this, right? I know you heard us talking to Travis Cook and you could probably sense that passion there as well. You talked about how physically straining this is on you and the need that you feel to deliver for those fans. Talk to us about that relationship because Hardcore Haas said, hey, you know what? Even though ISP isn't necessarily supposed to be a fan favorite, there's always like a third of the crowd that cheers them. So talk to us about that connection that you have with the fans that I think is so important and that a lot of wrestlers are striving to try to make that connection, whether it be as a baby or as a heel. Talk to us about kind of what you've done to develop and nurture that relationship with the fans. 
So talk to us about that. Right, there's a little bit of a delay, guys. Hang tight, and there he goes. He's got to hear what I'm saying, and then he'll respond. When I go out there, initially I wasn't expecting any cheers. So early on working in WWE, I, I can definitely hear you. So when I'm working in WDWA initially, two and a half years ago, I uh, got a lot of booze because me and my tag team partner at the time, Mustafa Aziz, were ultimate heels. Everybody hated the Iranians. And then over time, as someone explained to me, when they start cheering me, it's because they see me more often than any other wrestler because I've only missed one show in two and a half years at World Domination Wrestling Alliance. So when they consistently see me and I'm going through the fire every other weekend up to, you know, probably 35, 36 shows to this point, they get to the respect for you. And over time, they've respected me because I go out there and I consistently work for them. Now, there's times where I embrace it and there's times where it's just irritating to me because I'm naturally not a good person when it comes to wanting to see good guys and bad guys. I like bad guys. When I was a kid, it was always the Joker. It was always Shredder. It was always, you know, score. Those are the cartoons and the characters that I looked up to. Even in pro wrestling growing up, I like Big John Studd, Adrian Adonis, Abdullah the Butcher, and Mick Foley when he was Cactus Jack. So later on, it became Shima, The Undertaker. You know, a bad guy in a sense when it comes to professional wrestling. Dude, that's an, that's an incredible perspective. And, you know, not everybody likes the same guys. Not everybody loves Austin and The Rock. Some people have that different, like, appreciation for wrestling where they can see the heels for what they are. And, obviously, that's lended you to the success that you've had up to this point. Now, I do want to ask you about your old tag team partner, Aziz. If I remember correctly, he had a little bit of a moment in the sun. <laughs> and this may have been back when you guys were teaming. If I'm not mistaken, was Aziz not the gentleman who ended up doing a little bit of work with the New Day on national television at some point? If I'm not mistaken, it was, right? That's what I thought because he was on the show as well. So talk to us from your perspective as his tag team partner and friend, what you were thinking when you saw him on TV with WWE doing that that skit with the New Day. What are your thoughts about that, ISP? From your perspective, as his tag team partner and friend, what you were thinking when you saw him on TV with WWE doing that, that skit with the New Day. What are your thoughts about that, ISP? Uh, Mustafa is a very great mentor. When I was with him as a tag partner, it was great to see him with the New Day playing security as well. Um, I'm nothing but proud for him. As a partner, he's taught me so much about the inside business. Don't let them think you're a terrorist. Just go out there and let them hate you for what you are initially.
and gain their respect over time. But just be who you are. Don't try to force yourself down their throats. Let them come to their own assumptions on themselves. John, take it away. And they never respect over time, but just be who you are. Uh, you have to unmute yourself, buddy. Sorry about that. First off, I, I want to start by, I actually got a message from a former guest, uh, El Lobo, also known as Andrew. And uh, he put something there in the comments, and he oh, asked God, me to actually read it, and uh, he sent it to me, so I'm going to read it here from my phone, because I don't see the whole thing on the comment. Uh, but it says, ISP and myself have been in multiple battles, and what started as a simple battle of nations became a personal feud, and later a professional one. And the motive for labeling that last one as professional is because regardless of our differences, I do believe ISP is a heck of a champion and a competitor. He has busted his ass for this business. My last match with him, regardless of what people say about the finish, I feel that his rivalry with mine went full circle from tag team bouts to singles action. Maybe in the future there could be another meeting between him and I. But in the meantime, let's admit that he's forging future road for the upcoming stars in development. And my respect for that. And that comes straight from, from his heart. So, That's a hell of a compliment coming from a great, great competitor. Me and the Lobo have gone back and forth over the last two years, whether that be in tag team action or singles com competition. Um, to see Sambo show on AEW was amazing in itself. Um, I can't thank him enough for saying that. However, at the end of the day, I did defeat, well, I did not defeat him, but I did find a way to get out of there with my championship because I believe in championship advantage and I take full advantage of that. As far as paving the way for future stars, what, 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 what I see today in the business is what I wish for others on the show would be that a little bit more energy, I would say. I know that a lot of guys are working other promotions and they're working three, four, five days a week. I would just like to see two guys in our roster say to themselves, we're going to go out there and we're going to kill it tonight, regardless of what we're doing tomorrow or the next day. Because sometimes a lot of guys go through the motions and there's nothing wrong with that. you got to preserve yourself for this business, as they say, with the bump count and all that. But I would just wish I would see a little bit more when it comes to professional wrestling in the indie scene. I'm a big fan of mid-2000s Ring of Honor, where they were doing a lot of crazy bumps and high spots and fast-paced action. Now, granted, I'm not the greatest technical wrestler that there is, but anybody that goes up against me knows that there's going to be 
Moses in the match that's going to make the crowd say, wow, I can't believe he took that. I can't believe he did that. Or I can't believe his energy because I'm 40 years old. And my oh, bump card is probably going to expire very soon. <laughs> Where's so your grades? I just go out there and I like to have fun. I like to go out there and just give hardworking Americans that come to, you know, pay their money to see what we do. And I just like to give them the best action possible. And if sometimes that means that my match is the best match on the card or it's the second or third best match on the card, I'm happy for whoever was doing better than me. I'm happy for everybody in the back. I don't hate on anybody. And I want to see the best for World Domination Wrestling Alliance, All or Nothing Wrestling, my opportunities in Elite Pro Wrestling Alliance. I'm always around guys that want to do their best. And I just wish I would see more of that in other places because I feel like in those three companies, those rosters and those competitors are really getting after what the crowd really likes to see today in professional wrestling. Hey John, we got we got to get audio from you, buddy. <laughs> Sorry about that. I'm not I'm not used to me muting my mic there, but <laughs> but um, I'm sure it's very humbling to get something like that from one of your uh, I don't want to call them coworkers, but one of your other wrestlers that you know you've competed against and had long feuds with. So that that's really something but uh so i know that uh you have doug rafferty as your manager um how did that uh relationship start all right now isp is listening so he'll answer as soon as he hears the end of that Doug Rafferty has been my manager since the first day I stepped inside World Domination Wrestling Alliance. At first, I was kind of hesitant because I felt like I didn't really need a manager because I can talk for myself. I can get enough heat for myself from the crowd just based off my character alone. So over time, Doug grew on me. And we've cultivated this friendship to where now he's my travel agent and more so my manager. But I love having him in a ringside. And I heard your conversation earlier with Travis talking about how a manager can, you know, pretty much offset the balance when it comes to having, you know, his clientele in the ring. And I, I'm not going to brag, but Doug makes my job a lot easier because I can do a lot more things when Doug is out there to get away with as far as having Doug get a cheap shot in. That's an advantage for me. And I am no, I am not shy to say that I have no privilege of whoever is in the ring with me once I have Doug out there. I mean, I got wives as well that will come out and will help me win matches or help me get disqualified just in case I need to keep the championship because I know sometimes I'm going up against guys that might not be be, be beatable, my friend. So I use Doug a lot. Doug has been a great mentor as well. 
Doug has given me a lot of great insight. And I, I put him up there as one of the great managers in the tri-state area. That's dope. Well, ISP, I love how, and people who don't know you may think you're like the nicest guy, but listen, I know you go about handling your business in a unique and unique way. And you may not realize this, but you've got fans beyond the tri-state area, my friend. I'm one of them because I obviously, you know, um, LT and the rest of the boys, you know, you guys are Frequent here on the Wrestle Talk podcast, which, which we've always been grateful to have the wonderful relationship we have with you guys. But also, you've got some more fans in the St. Louis area. And on that note, I'm going to go ahead and bring one of them on who also happens to be a co host of the show because we like to go beyond our borders, right, Maestro? We like to follow wrestlers from throughout the country and throughout the world, as that matter of fact. So on that note, I'm going to go ahead and bring you on to see if you have any questions or comments after hearing the champion speak. What do you got for us, Maestro? You know, I, I'll tell you this. In a, I was actually about to ask when, you know, usually I ask about like experience in wrestling, you know, and how long you've been, do, you've been in this industry. And then he mentioned to me that you're 40. Which, yeah, you don't look it, by the way. I'm just going to tell no you No grays, bro. I'm looking. I don't no, see any on it. Bro, I'm 26 and I got grays. And I don't see <laughs> gray on you. So, that got you. Got you. You got yourself. You're like, you I'm got, 26. I got myself. <laughs> but, no. What I wanted to ask was, I mean, what's it like being in the presence? You know, you were mentored by... WWF Hall of Famer, the late, great Nikolai Volkov. What was it like being in his presence so early on in your career? Great question. ISP is going to unmute himself. Nikolai Volkov was a pleasure to sit in his house and listen to the stories that he would tell me. It was a pleasure to listen to the experience that this man has endless amounts of experience. And he was teamed up with one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, the Iron Sheik. Um, the things that this man has seen and done is legendary. And it was an honor for me. It was humbling. And it was, he told me it was a long time that he's been in a camel clutch. Once I put him in that camel clutch, my life was kind of different at that point because <laughs> this is a WWE Hall of Famer who's allowing me to demonstrate to my fans and others that were there to see something that they haven't seen in a very long time. Nobody has to do that for me. But his right. trust in me to be able to go out there and showcase what it is that I do and to be able to take time and give me knowledge to learn from him was an undeniable experience that I will take to my grave. I mean, I had this man's action figure when I was a kid. So it was very, very humbling. And I will never forget. And God bless this man because he did not have to do that for me. He did not have to do any of it for me for the real. Well, and I do want to just read this this comment, Maestro. 
uh, from Danica, who was a guest with us here very recently. She says, ISP, if anything, is one of the most eloquent, well-spoken people I've ever worked with. And in spite of butting some heads, he is, as always, brilliant. Giving the flowers, getting the flowers, champ, it must be nice to be at the top, right? It is very good to be at the top. There is a lot of deserving guys that work for the World Domination Wrestling Alliance that could definitely carry that champion. At the time when it was, you know, put on to me, I I will be quite honest with you, I was not ready for that because I was television champion. And I was thinking of ways to make the television championship something special because it was the first ever. And when I did win the world championship from uh, Zach Ramsey's and Damian Wayne in that triple threat match, the world was on my shoulders at that point. And I didn't know, like I heard you guys talking earlier about the pandemic and time away and then coming back. I wasn't even sure if I was going to come back, my friend. I was, you know, obviously I'm older. And I, I'm kind of worn out. I, I just wanted to be a guy on the roster that made other guys better. That was my thinking. And now I got to do that as the top guy. So it's a lot of pressure. It's pressure that I'm now ready for. Um, it's humbling. But at the end of the day, I am going to do whatever it takes to defend that championship. I'm going to do whatever it takes to retain the championship. And I'm going to do whatever it takes for them to say Israel Sharif Accord is one of the best professional wrestlers, sports entertainers, whatever you want to call it these days, in West Virginia, Pennsylvania, wherever it is that I may go, my friend. I love it. Um, So this is what I wanted to ask. And this is something I've asked before. Uh, to some other wonderful guests that we've had on, but this is something I really want to ask you because I can tell you have so much heart, so much passion into what you do. Um, and you know, for having a later start, you know, a lot of people get into the wrestling business at like age 16, 17, you know, you've been in the industry for about 13 years, but you're 40 now. So you mentioned that, you know, your time in the ring could be up, you don't know when, But I want to ask you this. When the time comes that Israel retires from the ring, what do you want the fans to remember most about you? He gave it his all. He came in consistently and gave it his all. That's all I can ever ask for. There's a lot of people out here in the world struggling right now. And for them to take what they make during the week or two weeks, however it is they get paid, and come to a wrestling event with their families, which is this is really all about, 
getting time to have an affordable place to be able to have your family come. You can cheer and you can boo and you can enjoy family time. If they're willing to drop down 10 to $15 to see a roster as talented as ours wrestle, and when it's time for me to hang it up, and they say, that guy right there gave me my money's worth every single show. That is enough for me to walk off and be happy with that. I love it. I, I mean, that's that's something that shows not so much what kind of wrestler you are, but it shows what kind of person you are, that you want to leave a mark that showcases to others how much you love doing what you're doing and that you want them to love what you're doing. And you're not forcing it. You're hoping for it. You're working for it. And, you know, the Night Owl and I and Haas, um, we've been around a lot of professional wrestlers in our lives. And, you know, I I don't want to speak for them, but I will. I'm sure. Well, I'm a different I... type of human being when it comes to this sport, my friend. Um, there's a lot of guys, like I say over and over, a lot of guys on our roster that are very, very talented, more so talented than I am at the moment. And yes, I am 40 and yes, 13 years, but you know, two of them I had to walk away from for injury, another three for personal reasons and the one year for COVID. So technically it's only seven, but at the end of the day, I look at the, I look at the guys on our roster on any roster that I work for, whether that's be all or nothing wrestling. And let me just say what they're doing at all or nothing wrestling here in Johnstown, Pennsylvania, what Emily and Kess are doing there, building a solid roster for the fan base around here. What LT is doing down in World Domination Wrestling Alliance for his crowd there. What, you know, Jake and Tate are doing in West Virginia for Elite Pro Wrestling. And let me also say, if you want to be a pro wrestler, there is no other place that I have seen with more intensity and more intense training he's got these guys down there like savages and that's fort noxious fort noxious is one of the places that if you want to be an up and inspiring wrestler just go there work with them i was there for 10 hours with them one day and they blew me up i'm not gonna lie <laughs> they blew me up now granted i'm a little bit older and they're a lot more experienced in there than i am but I would recommend Rob Noxious's Fort Noxious Training Center to anybody that wants to aspire to be a pro wrestler. And there's a lot of great talent in the area, whether that be West Virginia, Pennsylvania, New Jersey. I love seeing all of it because first and foremost, I'm a wrestling fan. So when I get to go out and not have to wrestle and I can just watch guys work, it is uh, eye-opening experience for me every time because I appreciate seeing dedication and passion. I could go to a play, I can go to an opera, and I just love watching performing arts. And I consider wrestling a performing art. These guys are all talented individuals. To go out there and put their bodies on the line like they do for you know friends, family, strangers, it is impressive, my friend. I think we actually are done with the delay. 
Uh, ISP, is the delay gone? Oh, it looks like we still got it. Okay. We jinxed it. Oh, that was so close. You were doing great. Hoss, you're up. Now, uh, I know last week you saw where Cisco had some words for you, and we gave him time to, uh, you know, to kind of promo against you and, and get whatever he had off his chest. So what do you have to say to Cisco about what he had for you last week? Mm. <laughs> it's skin spicy. Well, he came on here and said that I didn't want the smoke. And the Ooh. thing is, man, me and Cisco have a little bit of beef. He, I call him MS-13 because he looks like a straight <laughs> gangster. And when oh. I get out there, I'm going to see Cisco one of these days. And he's not going to be able to hide. He's not going to be able to you know, talk his way out of it. I am going to, to beat him within an inch of whatever life he thinks he has left once he steps in that <laughs> ring with me. Because he's a lot of talk. A lot of talk. And I just go out there and I do what I do. I cannot wait for the day that Cisco is standing in the opposite corner from me and he has to realize at that moment that, man, I'm probably in this one way too deep because Israel Sharif Accord does not play games when I'm in there. Everybody that's come and watched me wrestle in World Domination Wrestling Alliance or All or Nothing Wrestling, where Cisco is also a part of, or Elite Pro Wrestling, where Cisco is also a part of, it's Wait. a matter of time. A matter of time. And that day is going to be very disappointing for both of us. Because I don't really want to have to do this to him. But he's earned it at this point. He's earned it professionally. And he's earned it because he just irritates me. So when that day does come, I will feel bad for him. I, I definitely will. But he's going to get what he deserves, my friend. Shots fired! Shots fired! <laughs> wow. One last question, Israel Sharif Pakur, world champion. What about Kevin Mears and his return? Is that something in the back of your mind? I got to know. Uh oh, here it comes. <laughs> I do not fear the Kevin Mears. Let me tell you why. Because I beat him. Regardless of what anybody says that was at that show, when I was television championship, I defeated him. He should have been disqualified for real. And they should have awarded me the title, but they disqualified me instead because they think I did it purposely. Now, if you know me, you know I'm not always out there to try to just harm a ref. I'm not one of them guys. A lot of the referees are getting dropped in World Domination Wrestling Alliance, and I assure you it's not by Israel Sharif Bacor. But Kevin Mears is a top-notch competitor. He's very well-traveled. But there's something about Kevin Mears that I know he's beatable. And I know he intimidates a lot of other guys in the back. 
but he does not intimidate me. I've seen the best of Kevin Mears, and I had him. I had him beat, and he knows it. And that's why you have not seen him come back yet, my friends. Because if I would have been lost my championship due to injury, I would be back immediately to say I need a shot at that championship. Now, how hurt is he? Is it a four-week injury? Is it a four-month injury? It might be a four-year injury for as long as I have this championship, my friend. Yalla, yalla, yalla. Um, I know I have talked to uh, Kevin myself, and he's about 95% rehabbed. So uh, hopefully it will uh, it will not be long before he is back in the ring. And uh, then we can see the two of you collide again. Cisco, Kevin Mears, and like another five to six guys just waiting in the brush to pounce ISP. It's a lot of pressure. I'm definitely not worried about it. He is a definitely a competitor that you don't want to mess with. No, I'm not worried about it because I have championship advantage and I take full advantage of that. <laughs> There's no shame. I have no shame. No shame. <laughs> well, listen, guys, we're going to go ahead and unfortunately have to hit the stop button right here. But before we go, let me say this. ISP, you are a champion like none other. The passion, which is where we started in this interview, it pours through the screen because anybody else that we that would have had this many technical issues would have been like, hey, guys, let's reschedule. You didn't give up. We didn't give up. That's why we've been here for so long. That's why you're at the top of the mountain. And that's why I believe that no matter who challenges you next, whether Cisco or or, or, or Triple Fears or whoever, you mean what you say and you say what you mean. So I'm appreciative on behalf of the Maestro, Hardcore Hoss, the Wrestle Talk family. We thank you for coming on and joining us on the show, making that time and bringing that, that heart, that corazón, right? That heart to everything you do from an interview to what you do inside the Squirt Circle. Sir, thank you, and we really appreciate you being our guest tonight, man. Truly an honor. Absolutely. It's always an honor for me to watch you guys do what you guys do. It was a pleasure to be here tonight. I apologize for the technical issues, but you know in Iran, they kind of keep us a little statically low around here because they don't want us to get the word out about what's going on here. So it was a pleasure, and I thank you for your time, gentlemen. Open your third eye. <laughs> Good night, champ. We'll see you next time. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, my friend. Have a good night. Woo! Hey, we had a lot of brown brothers in this mother tonight. Right, Jeremy? What's up, baby? <laughs> I love it. Damn, did we be... Man, there was so much heat going on. I thought we were in Hell's Kitchen. Holy Dude. shit. <laughs> From Travis Cook not giving two you-know-whats about you-know-who to ISP, like, Here's what I'm saying. You guys heard me kind of hit on it right at the interview. Like, there are some guys that can't handle the frustration of whatever it may be. In this case, the technical stuff. Like, 
He didn't blink. He didn't bat an eye. And what you guys didn't see behind the scenes, my man was out and in like a bunch of times before we even brought him on. But like that kind of determination, I think, translates to everything, whether it be wrestling, refereeing, ring announcing, commentating. I don't give a damn what it is. If you got that kind of determination to not be deterred, you're going to be successful, whether you're taking care of your parents the way that John does, whether you're taking care of other people's parents the way that the maestro does, or you're trying to take care of your family and your children and everybody else the way that I do. You can't lose when you got that kind of passion and determination in this world, gentlemen. I can't thank you again how for how awesome this episode was. Next week, though, it's going to get crazy because it's Wrestle Madness 3. The brackets are going out this week. Episode 372 might just be a little bit crazier than this one if you guys can even, like, fathom that idea. What do you say, Maestro? If if Wrestle if Madness 3 was even half of what Madness 2 was, next week is going to be a show for the ages. I'm just going to tell you right now. I don't think anybody's going to use ready. their golden ticket in the first round this time. I'm just saying. I don't know. I have now, heard, when you said, <laughs> you, I've you heard know what? rumor. What? Rumor? Nobody's going to be I, texting me telling me, use your ticket, maestro. <laughs> I have heard rumor that there is a chance that Nightmare Jones may pop in for Wrestle Madness 3. So, you know, if he's there, if he's there, he may use that golden ticket. Oh, uh, like, uh, who was it? You can't count out our boy Joey. No, no, but was it, it wasn't LOD. Who was it that he would use it on uh, for the first round? They were obviously going to make it in. Demolition. Demolition was going to make it past the first round. But I think they had a pretty good team that, okay, by the way, for those of you guys that are wondering, we are doing the top female wrestler in pro wrestling history going all the way back to Mildred Burke and some of the legends of the 40s, 50s, and 60s, or even before then. Uh, shout out to our boy Chris. I hope I don't botch his last name. Chris Boulier. I think that's how you say his name. You know, he was on a few months ago, John. He, he wrote the book about Mildred Burke and the African-American pro wrestlers. Back during the segregation era, it was an incredible episode. Go go back yeah. and look for it, guys, we'll, we'll, or we'll repost it for you. But uh, long story short, thank you, Travis Cook, all the wonderful organizations that we mentioned. If we didn't mention your organization, shoot us your poster, email us your info, and we'll try to squeeze it into the show. Because more than anything else, man, we love pro wrestling and want to support, especially local-based. I-70. I got you guys covered, too. That's right. Um, I-70 Sports Media, Wrestle Talk Podcast, all of our incredible sponsors and our families that allow us and facilitate the opportunity that we get to do this every single Tuesday night right here at WrestleTalkPodcast.com. Final thoughts, Hoss, before we sign off. Yeah, it's just been a great night, and uh, I'm glad to be a part of it. Um, Fortunately, I won't be here next week. You know, I have something else scheduled that same night. But uh, look forward to seeing the results from next week. I'll definitely be catching the replay. and. Just thank you to all the fans out there, and you know you're the reason we do what we do. So, thank you very much, Maestro. Um, well, I actually have some sources here that say that Haas's pick is in, 
and it's um, Cameron from uh, the Funkadactyls as his favorite all time <laughs> female uh, wrestler of all time. Okay, from <laughs> <laughs> his favorite female wrestler of all time, Cameron from uh, from the Funkadactyls. That's why he's not going to be here. He doesn't want to show his shame for that. I, um, I think I, I think on, I got Joe's. On a serious note, no, I got Joe's pick. It's it's Eva Marie. Oh good. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's that's not Josh Joe's. I thought you were going to say the wife. Of, I thought you were going to say the wife of uh, Axe from Demolition. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably who it's going to be. <laughs> uh, oh, anyway, okay. Yeah, I was going to say this never. It's the show that never ends. All right. And it goes on and, and on, my friend. <laughs> it's been a pleasure being on this week. I'm excited for next week, though, with Wrestle Madness 3. I love the Wrestle Madness ones. Um, but most importantly, and I wanted to do this earlier, and I'm going to quickly do this just because it is uh, an important thing that we should do. Um, you know, a lot of people struggle with depression and mental health in the world that we live in, and a lot of people feel they're alone. And just know that you're not alone out there. So, you know, if you have thoughts of suicide or you know somebody that might have thoughts of suicide, um, obviously, you know, you can call 911. But also um, the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, it's available 24 hours a day, every day, all year long. And it's 800-273-8255. You're all never alone in this world. And you're always loved. And just know from me, from the bottom of my heart, I love you too. Um, Life is a book full of empty pages just waiting to be written in. So make your lives worth reading. And my final thoughts are this simple. I never thought that the pro wrestling community would come through to the same extent as my family. So when you combine the two, we're talking wrestle talk, family, pro wrestling, family. That's what it is. And that's why we do this. It's not about how many mugs we sell or how many viewers we see. It's about the people that are watching, knowing that we share a passion. We share something in common that connects us despite all the other differences that we might have. And that is professional wrestling good night everybody thank you so much for being here and all we do is win 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 peace y'all